Hello and welcome to Running Inside Out Podcast, where we talk about the races we ran in, the races we're not in, and getting outside to see what's going on inside the Rochester running scene. In this episode, Jamie Hobbs is here to talk about the big dance, the granddaddy of hundreds, the okie dokie hokey pokey. That's right, Mr. Hobbs goes to Washington, or uh, Western States. That's a lawyer joke. Uh, anyways, a bit of the backstory. After three years of qualifiers, Zane Gray, Hellgate, and Laurel Highlands, with uh, four tickets in the lottery, Jamie Hobbs got his number pulled. And when your number gets pulled, you don't get a chance to think about it. You just got to go, right? Or uh, maybe not. I don't know. Let's, uh, let's let Jamie tell that story. Uh, now, Jamie got there with a little help from some people, a lot of help from some other people, and a bunch of personal effort. And this podcast happens a bit the same way. So I want to thank the patrons and everyone who has supported the podcast because it is thanks to all those various forms of support that I was also able to make the trip out west. Additionally, I want to thank this episode's sponsor, MedVed Running and Walking Outfitters. For more than 30 years, MedVed has been providing runners in the Rochester area with shoes, camaraderie, group runs, and good old-fashioned community building. Located in Pittsford Colony Plaza at 3400 Monroe Avenue, MedVed is family-owned and believes strongly in supporting our community through races and other local events. They have so many group runs leaving the store, including shoe demo runs, lemonade runs, hot chocolate runs, and my favorite, the Harrier Games. It's a uh, seasonally-themed running scavenger hunt. It's a little hard to explain, but... Imagine dressing in Halloween costumes uh, or other costumes with a bunch of your friends, searching around for various Rochester landmarks, and then returning to the store for pizza and drinks. Uh, I guess it wasn't that hard to it wasn't that hard to explain after all. So, um, additionally, they have Thursday night runs at trails throughout the city, and oh yeah, they also sell all the running gear you are going to need, uh, including all the fanciest shoes and pretty much the best selection of socks in the city. Uh, you can get expertly fit in a pair of shoes and run around their indoor track and test them out. Anyway, I could go on and on, but just check out the store. Tell them you heard about it on the podcast and grab yourself a sticker while you're there. Medved Running and Walking, Pittsford Colony Plaza, 3400 Monroe Avenue. Oh, and uh, most of the nutrition that Jamie had at Western that wasn't from the aid stations was from Medved. So there's that too. Um, okay, and with that, let's get into the trails, training, food, friends, and yes, even feelings of runners just like you. And you, Mr. House. All right, Just like you, doing, you. Chris. I'm right. How are you? You know, right. you know the deal. Microphone story. That's what we're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're gonna do. Where are we gonna start? Um. All right. So I kind of gave a little bit of the backstory. You've been in the lottery for three years. Yep. Right. Uh, One minor correction there. Zane Gray was not a was not oh, a right. qualifier a, when I ran it's it. It's a fifty miler. That's yeah. right. So Boo Earns got my tickets at what Laurel Highlands, Hellgate. And I kind of doubled up one year. Hellgate was a ticket, and so was MMT, Mass Nutton. Right, Mass Nutton. How can I forget your your hundred miler? Right, the the hundred miler yeah. you ran. Okay, so yeah, you had um, you're in a lottery for three years. Yep. We have a little lottery party at my house. A Couple yeah. friends sit around. And I think I announced at that point that uh, 
I was hoping not to get pulled this yeah, year. Yeah, you sort of were like, hey, and we're like, look it, we got Davin and Hobbs here. Either one of you could get in, and yep. Weldon's got a ticket too. Yep. Hooray. And um, uh, I didn't want to get in. Did Weldon actually have a ticket? No, this yeah, is he had Laurel Highland's ticket. Oh, okay. From his thirteen thirty four. But I think he. I think what ended up happening is he he botched the registration for the lottery. Uh, I think he said that he had mm. forgot to hit the last we step could, or something like that. We could have just let that all go. <laughs> <laughs> it's important fact. I think was you know. It's important to get the facts right. Like That's he true. often does at that point in the year where he's like, yeah. oh, I didn't get my ticket or whatever. yeah. Just anyway, think, he could have gotten picked. Imagine yeah. that. I I did not want to go, and I think that was the first time I uh, announced to a number of you at least. That a little closer. I uh, you can pull it. Was expecting a, a new child, a third child, in March uh, yeah. or April. Um, yeah, so which uh, was going to come right in the middle of training and was going to make it hard on my family for me to go to California. Yeah, so I'd rather thinking, not run a hundred miler right. this year. <laughs> and, yeah, I was kind of thinking, I want to stay in the lottery to keep my tickets, mm-hmm. and I want to. This project is going to take long enough, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I probably won't get picked, so I'll stay in the lottery. And sure enough, yep. Mince was like, said it beforehand. <laughs> if you don't want to get picked, you're going to get picked, and that's yeah. what happens. Yeah, and, you know, I think the uh, that's what's interesting is this year they've now introduced a, a pregnancy policy, yes. right? Right. So, which is a good thing. I mean, let's just say that's a, that's a very good thing. If you are, if you are a woman and you yep. uh, get picked and then become pregnant, perhaps in your getting picked celebration, yep. I don't know, um, you can defer for up to three years. I'm not sure it's limited to women. I think it's, it's a general policy that you can defer anytime. Uh, for no, oh, there's, no, there's yeah, a this pregnancy the, policy, the right? Pregnancy but policy. they also have a one year. They introduced a one year out year of the. You can take a either gender for any reason can say I'm oh. taking my one year out year from the lottery. Oh, and so you're not actually even in the lottery. You're saying that's new this year. I as need well. a break, right? Right. So I can keep my tickets and roll them over and good. So in regardless, you had no choice. Yeah. Right. You either go. Right. I mean, or you could say no. Yeah. Right. You could have deferred your spot. And, I did. We did have a conversation about it with my wife, and um, I did. She was initially a little bit concerned, but was not discouraging, and sort of, you know, said, "Well, we'll we'll play it by ear. Stay in it, and we'll see if everything goes okay with the baby and everything. If we can make it work, then we'll make it work." And thankfully, mm-hmm. uh, major thanks to her and being flexible in terms of letting me. Uh, train and get that done right and i mean this is that's that's the new baby you still had two other babies right right (laughs) so i was looking at the prospect of having to go you know weekend training runs um be gone for multiple hours regularly on the weekends with you know a wife who's got to take care of two small kids and is you know seven or eight months pregnant and then all of a sudden has a newborn and yep. she has to deal with all of that for you know both days on the weekends. You know. So that I mean, then you you had to get through Christmas, right? Because this is before Christmas. Mm-hmm. So Christmas, New Year's, time to go run, right? Yep. And we've covered in past podcasts, especially Mass and Nutton, we covered how you really train for a hundred miler. Uh-huh. You do a lot of run to work run home from work, right. run with the kids, then run with the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> then uh, this year, though, you added a treadmill, right? That yes. That was your big deal. Right. And 
that, that's actually my wife bought it for me, which was a really generous gift. And, uh, you know, it's partly maybe a gift to make her life a little bit easier. Uh, you but, know, uh, you don't have to travel. <laughs> <laughs> it added a, a new option, and I, I took advantage of it. It was not just any treadmill. Also, it's a Nordic track in, incline trainer, so I could just get on there and, and power hike at, mm. you know, above 15% for a while. And one thing it has is downhill capacity. I was one of my big fears about uh, Western States was the amount of downhill running. I love downhill running, but quads eventually give out and you know that much running. I didn't want to be stuck at mile 70 with blown quads. And mm-hmm. so I, you can get on this thing and you can't mimic perfectly the kinds of descents you get on the trail, but it goes to 6%. So you negative 6%. So you can run downhill at a 6% grade and it's a really I found it was a really good way to get a really easy aerobic workout, which is what you need to do with a lot of your runs, and then also condition your quads at the same mm-hmm. time. So on a day that you wanted an easy day, you could just get on there for an hour and run downhill for the whole hour, and you'd walk off and your legs felt more wobbly than they would on a flat run or something like that. So almost, you know, helpful because it, it's not beating you up as much either, right? right. Like right. So, so I I think of running the outer loop at Bristol, right? And you think of like hill repeats. Yeah. And yeah, sure, exhaustion sort of stops you from doing more than three. Right. Sometimes you get the four. But that downhill is it's 1.7 miles at, you know, what, 10 to 15 percent grade. Yeah. And it just it beats you up. Right. You know, I mean, at the speed that you get going on that gravel road, you come away from that not only like worked, but there's parts that you didn't intend on working that now are sore. Right. So maybe that's a little bit of a benefit, you know. That it's at negative six instead of and negative yeah, 15. Yeah, it's at or negative like six, and it's it's predictable, and you're not bouncing around rocks or into, sure. like, potholes or, sure. you, you know. know. There's plus and minus. Yeah, yeah It's easy to recover from, and it's not as damaging, but uh, you're not yeah. preparing yourself to run a technical downhill right. like in sure. the canyons. Well, I guess you could have one of the kids just throw Legos under your feet. <laughs> <as you're running. laughs> Sorry, Lego toys and blocks. Yeah. Um, so, okay, but other than that, like other than the new child training, like every, everything else in your training went fine, right? Like, <laughs> uh, Yeah, no, not so much. Training, I thought training was going to go, well, I knew that with the child going, I had to, coming, I had to start training early. And I needed, I wanted to get as much done as possible in February and March um, <clears throat> so that I could just kind of play it by ear after that. And you know, in February, I thought it was going great. I was running blocks of 60 mile weeks, um, or I got one block of 60 mile weeks in, in February. I thought, well, I'm way ahead of where I was at for Mass Nutton. I could, if I can keep building, I'd be doing, you know, 70 and 80 mile weeks comfortably in, in, uh, March and April, but which I've, I've never done a block of 80 mile weeks in my life. So I was really encouraged. And then uh, Everything hit the fan, same <laughs> one after another, basically. Yeah, you, you ran a 403 at Sega Honda. It was awesome. <laughs> well, uh, well, so the first thing that happened was, I don't want to go everything, but like I got a, a calf strain, which set me back. It set yeah. me out for a week. Yeah. After that block of 60-mile weeks, I took a rest week and got a calf strain at the end of the rest week. So then all of a sudden I had two rest weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of that, calf strain rest week i got the flu 
uh, I went out for a 10 mile run with Weldon and was like, all right, now I'm going to get ready to get back to training. And at the end of the 10 mile run, I was like, I don't feel right. I know something I'm getting sick. You know, right. And I we're talking, this down. is the March time frame. This is right. the end of, yeah. Coming into March. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually in March now. I get the flu and I have, you know, 102 fever for like a couple of days and laid up and now I guess we're actually solidly into March because this is when Maite was born. I get yeah. the flu and it's confirmed. Legit diagnosis. My diagnosis this is isn't man flu. Doctor, right. Yeah, this isn't. I'm tired. And the flu. test results come in the same by email through like my chart on the same day that Jessica is up at night and says, I think my water broke, you know, and like, I think I better go to the doctor. And look at my computer at the same time, and I say, "Well, I have the flu." And she's like, "You know, <laughs> I'm not going to say the curse word." She said, <laughs> but um, she grabbed both kids, got them ready for daycare, loaded them in the car herself, and said, "I'm going to drop the kids off at daycare, and then I'm going to drive myself to the hospital because I think I might be having this baby." And I said, "Well." You know, I feel awful, and I'm supposed to go pick up my, or whatever it's called, the, the flu medication. Uh, Can you swing by the pharmacy <laughs> on your way there? And so I, I followed her in the car. I was, you know, I was feeling awful, but I was well enough to do that. And I, you know, she dropped off the kids, and then she said, "I'm going to go to the to triage at the hospital and see what they say." You, you're not going to be able to come with me why don't you go to the pharmacy and grab what you need? And that's what I did. And I went home and I waited for her call. And she said, sure enough, I got a text or a call shortly later saying they're keeping me here. Water's definitely broken. Uh, I'm going into, you know, the labor room. And uh, later that, that same day, she gave birth to our third child. And I sat there and I participated for a little while through Skype, but I got a little too hard or maybe uh, FaceTime, but I got a little too hard for have someone holding the phone for me. So I, yeah. I was on speakerphone for part of it. Um, then Jessica, maybe, could, the, maybe the safest place yeah. at that point. <laughs> that point, Jessica couldn't come home with the baby because we, the doctors were like, there's too many germs around the house. Yeah. So she actually had to go to a, a colleague's house and stay there for a week. Um, <clears throat> and fortunately we had, help in town to take care of the other kids and so forth. But I wasn't running at all that week. Second week I felt uh, okay physically, but my lungs were in total revolt mm-hmm. um, from the virus. It just took an extra week to get rid of the, the whatever was going on in my lungs. And so, you know, just even just walking up the stairs to work, I would start feeling short of breath and coughing and stuff like that. And then, um, so that was completely two weeks lost, and I had to go back to the doctor and be like, they gave me, to deal with my lungs, they gave me an inhaler and, you know, um, steroids to clear out the lungs. And so when I started again after two weeks break, I felt like I couldn't just pick up back where I was at 60 miles. I felt like I'd lost some fitness. And also my quads, you know, the vir- a virus can affect your your muscles and where where I've felt it in the past and where I felt it this time was in my quads. I felt trashed after, you know, well, that's what, the, run. That's what so. the flu is like. It makes all your muscles sore and yeah. achy. Yeah. And many people aren't training for a hundred milers when they get the so flu. So all of a right? sudden, instead of 
being at 60, three, block, three weeks of 60 in a row and then a rest week, I was now, well, maybe I can manage 40 this week and start building up again. And so that's what I did. And, and we're talking now, this is like the first week of April. Now this is the beginning of April. Yeah. And so I have so two and a half months to my Yeah, race, you're right? coming two and a half months <laughs> to a 100 miler. And, and I'm trying to figure out what's the best way to build up mm-hmm. back up to, um, you know, uh, some kind of mileage mm-hmm. that is indicative yeah. of being able to run 100 miles. Yeah. So uh, next thing that happens, what what happened next? Uh, uh, you volunteered. You had yes. To, you did your volunteer hours. I had to do volunteer hours. And I did a volunteer hours at, uh, at Medved Madness. Some of them I got done volunteering there. And, you know, I said I got a, a watermelon injury. I was cutting a lot of watermelon. <laughs> Throughout that, the whole day, I was basically cutting watermelon. You know what? I cut watermelon at a goose race at Ontario <laughs> Summit. Yeah. And I did it at the finish line. And I got to tell you, my triceps. Okay. I got a triceps injury <laughs> from watermelon. So. Well, I didn't feel anything at the time. But all I know is that I went for a short trail run immediately afterwards and got through a mile or two. And all of a sudden, I noticed this pain in my ribs. And I couldn't fully breathe. I couldn't breathe deeply going up a hill. It wasn't Jessica elbowing you in no. the middle of the night telling you to get up with the baby? No. It happened during the run. It was it was noticeable. It was like, it, you know, it suddenly happened. And I uh, that's weird. I'll give it a day and, you know, see what happens. And that night I was like, I think I strained an ab muscle. Anyway, I, it kind of it lingered for weeks and it was on and off. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. The pain seemed to move around. Sometimes it was at the top right of my rib cage sometimes it was in my back in the same area sometimes it was all around and so after it didn't go away for, i mean i managed to run a bit but then sometimes i'd have to cut back because i'd be really sore after a run or i'd feel short of breath like, like i couldn't fully expand my rib cage and i had no idea what was going on and after it lingered for a few weeks with some prodding i was like okay yeah i should go to the doctor and see if there's something else going on there because maybe it's not just some muscle issue in my ribs maybe it's internal organs or something like that and uh you know jessica's suggesting that maybe it's uh you know liver failure or something like that (laughs) (laughs) you've been (laughs) to my thanks a lot (laughs) (laughs) you know you have been coping quite a bit lately exactly (laughs) so i go and the doctor's like well it could be all of these things you know Including (laughs) liver dysfunction or a blood clot or I can't remember the name for some sort of pleurisy like this, basically inflammation of the the lining of your lungs. So we're going to run a bunch of – Infantago, is that a thing? (laughs) (laughs) He's like, we're going to run a full panel of blood work, have you go do a chest X-ray, all these things. So I'm doing all these things and like, you know, the whole list of them is like, these are all things that I'm just going to like – it's mid-April now. Or actually, no, it's probably Does May. your doctor go on WebMD? Like, is, that, <laughs> is that the thing? No, but I do. And, like, I have all sorts of theories, You're like, too. he's right. He's totally right. <laughs> no, I mean, I think there were legit concerns. I had this mystery pain that's, yeah. like, right in the upper right quadrant of my... Well, that's that's kind of what I was getting at is y- y- you've dealt with things. You know, you've, you've dealt with very long runs. You know what your body feels right. like. These are not things like phantom pains you're making up to make your training harder. Right. right. Your, your wife is a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> like, and you've gone to doctors to validate all these things. This yep. is just rolling snake eyes over and over right. again. And so 
fortunately, but you know, I'm, when he's like, we'll get to do the blood work and the test will come back in a couple of days and we'll, I'll let you know. And like, I'm thinking these are things that are canceled, cancel your trip. Like hope I can get a refund on some of these accommodations I've made and so forth. And yeah. Um, good thing I booked the insurance on one of those flights. I mean, or, I mean you know, pleurisy. Like, right. yeah, no, that's, that's like, that's you right. cannot, you are not going to run. <laughs> you're not miles flying. Your altitude. <laughs> you're not flying with it's that. It's like, hopefully your lungs aren't collapsing and we're going to have to yeah. drain fluid from your lungs. Yeah. So, um, fortunately all that stuff came back normal. Uh, and so we never got a, a real complete diagnosis, but the thing that seemed to fit the most and the doctor agreed this, you know, this is something I found kind of Googling, and he says, yeah, that, we, now that we've ruled everything else out, that, that's possible. Watermelon it's injury. Just like, yeah, watermelon, <laughs> no. Just this kind of, uh, it's called like, um, what's it called? Uh, oh, now I'm forgetting, but like um, painful rim, rib syndrome or slipping rib syndrome, basically. And it's just basically an irritation in the nerves, nerve endings around the cartilage of your, around the ribs. Right. And so the and he's like the only thing to do about that is what we've already been started doing, which is you got to start taking you know anti-inflammatories for a little while. And so I did that, and yeah, the anti-inflammatories totally took care of it, ibuprofen. And uh, at the same time, I'm also like, but I, you know, there's well-documented problems with taking a lot of ibuprofen or anti NSAIDs mm-hmm. and running ultra distances. It's a, it increases your risks of of rhabdo which is deadly um so i'm like okay that's cool i can manage these symptoms but i don't want to have to do this all the way through Mm -hmm. so but then after you got that cleared up everything went fine right there was the other issue which is i think we may have mixed up the time because i think actually i may have broken my hand before you broke the well while um, i was dealing with the the rib pain but before it sega honda is may yeah Right. Yeah. End of May, May May twentieth or something. Right. Like so the that. Fa- the the rib pain had started in at Madness, which is before Sega Honda. Mm-hmm. Began like end of April, beginning of yeah. May, and then Sega Honda came more in the middle of May, and I had not gone yet. To, I'd still been kind of managing the the rib pain. It oh kind yeah, of you, come and gone. Right. You ran the rib pain. You ran with the rib pain through Sega, Sega Honda. Honda. Right. I went to Sega Honda not knowing whether or not I would be able to run it with that rib pain. And, and it turned out like I ran partway through it. I was like, oh, no, my ribs are starting to hurt. This is going to be bad. And I'm here like, you know, mile 13 or something like that. And then 10 minutes later, I was like, oh, it went away. Mm-hmm. So fortunately, it, it subsided for that run. As I said, it came and, and it came and went and it worked out. But the other problem was I took a fall running downhill <laughs> while passing some uh, the the front – running women in the race a whole line of them all running together it's like okay i'm gonna pass now on a downhill and i run past them and like a notice while i'm there there's a pile of sticks in the brush that i'm running past and one of them caught my toe and i took this flying superman dive yeah right alongside them and like yeah i look pretty cool right now (laughs) showing off and so i i really thought the only issue then was that i banged my knee on the fall and i walked that off started running again and then you know mile later or so i looked down and like so my you, hand kind of hurts too you did the superman did, were, did you have like a small nathan handheld in that hand no 
no, I see no, that's yeah. that's no the protection. Right. that's the uh, that's the running premise. Like I, you you bring those Nathan handhelds yep. so you can run downhill with reckless abandon. <laughs> I think I'm going back to handhelds after <laughs> I made this decision. Just to protect States. your fragile hands. <laughs> right. I broke my hand uh, and it needed three screws in the fifth metacarpal. Yeah. That's uh, the pinky for you now, yes, doctor exactly. families. <laughs> he broke his pinky right off the not, knuckle. Not the pinky finger itself, but the the bone through the hand that connects to the pinky. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. knuckle sheared off there. Yeah, and so I needed to get surgery. Had to put uh, three pins in there. And I recall that was a week or two after you know the week following second hundred that I did that, and I was pretty happy with myself for managing something like 50 miles that week while yeah. having a, a day lost to getting surgery and, and you you got the surgery done pretty quickly yeah i mean that was really good yeah you, the doc- you didn't you didn't mess around with it at all you got it done really fast no i mean after Sega i waited seconds a saturday i went in to see the doctor on monday or tuesday because yeah. i was like okay you knew this the was, swelling's not going down yeah. <laughs> but then after this everything else went fine right right like <laughs> so it was actually after the hand was broken that then the rib pain wasn't going away, so I went right. to the doctor. So then, like, I'm in this final late May, early June phase waiting for a diagnosis of whether or not I need to cancel all plans and tell everybody in my crew that they yeah. got to burn their tickets too yeah. or go out there and have a nice trip. <laughs> <laughs> and by this point, you had assembled quite a crew. Yeah. I mean, when, when you got in, we knew that, like – well, um, my wife had told me that I was going. Okay. Um, and we knew that your dad, Bill, was going. Right. And then we had a bunch of people on the roster that yeah. were all waiting to sort of like punch their ticket, so to speak, right? right? Well, buy had, their tickets. Yeah, right, exactly. So you, had, Ron, like, and and Mike were basically the, right. the three who did express interest in going. Right. And then um, – so then it became Mike and Natalie. Then yep. it became Mort and Erica. Yep. So and then it became your buddy and Eric. I picked up, uh, yeah, my buddy Eric from. So so by the time of this, as as you're going through all of these things, and I promise we we we're going to talk about the race we at some get point. There. But this is preparation for a hundred miles. I mean, right. people like when we started talking about gear, we're like. Yeah, that's right. We're not just piling up the Subaru and filling up the back of the Subaru and driving down to Virginia. Right. You know, we're talking about we need plans. Yeah. So all the while we're doing this, you're managing two kids, then the birth, and then the three kids, and then the flu, and all the things we just talked about. Mm-hmm. You're also looking at booking hotels. Yeah. You're getting flights. You're figuring out logistics of like, okay, we're going to stay at my aunt's house this night till the room opens up at this night. And like you're doing a bunch of admin tasks and and you're also trying to run, (laughs) (laughs) right? Yeah. Somewhere in there you're trying to run. So as we're assembling like the little ragtag group and I'm sort of putting together the very few plans of how we're going to coordinate where we're moving – I was feeling I would feel like there would be a night where like, okay, I made some progress. I put some plans together. Mm-hmm. And then like inevitably the next day you would send out this five hundred word email that was like, All right, folks, here's the plan <laughs> <laughs> And I'd be like, Okay, well let me weave my little tiny sentences into here. Uh-huh. Like you were doing a ton to get ready for this. Yeah. Was was that extra or was that helping you feel better? knowing, okay, I, I have this stuff planned at least, and 
I'll, I'll, now I can go do life. Like, were you doing that in big spurts, you know, hotels and rooms and et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, I was definitely doing it in spurts. Um, there'd be, you know, weeks where I wouldn't think about it at all. Not that I wouldn't think about the race, but I wouldn't think about the details of logistics or something like that. And then all of a sudden I'd be like, oh, I got it. I got to do something. And, you know, mm-hmm. got to start booking a car and a yeah. hotel and a rental place. And It's good like, that we did all that. Right. It's good that we- <laughs> Yeah, let's skip ahead to how that worked out. (laughs) So, all right. So our plan was to fly into Sacramento. Yep. Right? And we were going to leave sunny Rochester for gloomy Sacramento. Yeah. And we were going to have a night stay um, at some relative's house. Yeah. Well, no, we're going to have a night stay at a hotel. At a hotel. Meet up with my relatives the next right. morning, hang out, hike, have, have good breakfast time. and stuff like that. Relaxing, chill out, and then go to the nice house that you found in Tahoe. Yeah. Well, the good the good folks at United <laughs> Airlines had other plans. <laughs> had other plans for us. They said you guys probably want to spend the night in Chicago. <laughs> you, would, you would love <laughs> to try out floor. our floors. <laughs> you won't believe our floors. And when you get there, you probably don't want a connection to Sacramento, really. No, you no. probably want to fly into San Francisco instead. You might as well. <laughs> and you know what? That car that you had, never mind that car. We're going to get you a new car because right, you're not going to be at the Sacramento yeah. airport to pick it up. In fact, we're not going to get you a new car. Find yourself a new car. <laughs> we got nothing to do with it. Yeah. So we had to rebook the car. We had to burn a night at the hotel that we had booked. We had to cancel the plans with my relatives on Saturday. Yeah. I or think my Saturday, I think my favorite was. part was when they're like, hey, your plane's going to leave at like midnight. And yeah. we're like, oh, midnight. After like the third delay, yeah. it's finally like, you're going to leave at midnight. And then we were like, okay, well, fine. And then they moved it up for right. us. <laughs> they <laughs> Which caused <laughs> a panic. We got to get there now. Yeah. They moved it up to 11. Yep. And then we got there at 11 and they had a little pile of snacks for us. Right. And we didn't leave till 1130 yeah. anyway. And then we slept in the uh, Chicago airport yeah, so along this was with, I don't know, probably 1,500 people. Tuesday night. And so yeah. it was like a little bit of uh, sleep deprivation preparation. Yeah, was which like, was, I mean, honestly, it was really good that we decided to sleep in Chicago airport, as terrible as it was, right. um, because it did get us there during the day. And Yeah, and everybody so, else in the whole trip, every, it seemed like almost everyone in the crew had had major flight problems everybody both on the way out and because everybody flew united on yeah the way everybody out. i mean flying through chicago turned out to be a terrible idea it it's seems a, like it's it, the worst the no matter what season even if it's summertime it it's just the worst idea thunderstorms the yeah. whole time so yeah sure or tornadoes or hurricanes <laughs> right. it doesn't matter it's, it's no storms in the winter yeah so um i think like and and i'll i'll jump i'll say the thing because it feels like a thing to say like your training is essentially what a really bad hundred mile experience feels like. Right. <laughs> like I, I think I got it. Oh, I hit another low. Yeah. All right, we're rallying. Right. Uh, back in the dumps. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you've stubbed. The t- oh, you have a really bad blister, and now yeah. you can't run for the while. Uh, oh, hey, you didn't notice that chafing before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I tried to think of it that way. Um, and you know, some days I was worried. I'm like, oh, I'm not getting anywhere near where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things aren't going perfectly. But um, on the other hand, then I was like, well, 90% of a 100 miler is rolling with the things that happen and yeah. addressing them as they happen, and you know, yeah. and staying positive about it. And, and I have so to that's say, what I just tried to do. I have to say, like, I 
I, I tried to tell you that a few times and it, it probably got really tedious and boring, but that was the piece that consistently impressed me the most was your ability to like, just deal with that. Like just, just deal. And, and I don't know the conversations that go on in your head. I don't know how you deal with this stuff, right. but outwardly it's like, this guy's got his, he's got his stuff handled mm. and like, and I, I saw you, you uh-huh. did lose it a little bit at the airport and, and I, was, <laughs> right. I was happy that I, I was oh, there yeah. to absorb that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that piece, I mean, that's to be expected. That's the final leg, you know, that's right. the piece, like, let's just get there. I just wanted to get there and just be chilling out. And... Yeah. Cause, cause that was the thing. Like right. we just have to, once we're there, can't, can't nobody stop us right. then, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. Wildfire maybe, but that's. The chances that's, of something going badly yeah. wrong at that point are, yeah. are pretty low. All right. So we, uh, we finally, after, uh, our hectic arrival in the airport to sit and wait a little bit more, yeah. United sent us to Chicago. We sleep on the Chicago bound floors. Yep. peacefully, no disturbances. Well, well the, the TVs are Why? <laughs> why do they play? They know they got people sleeping all yeah. over the floor. There were, I mean, it was a, it was like a... Purposeful. I wanted to say more, but that's not right. It's more like a, a triage. It looks like a war triage yeah. room. There were people... There were hundreds of people yeah. on and, the floor sleeping with blankets. And, and these TVs are useless. Yeah. They're like some sort of clockwork orange experiment. <laughs> Like I, I really, I really believe that like if we keep these people up all night, they will not be tired and they will not be well rested Uh and they will be cranky and ornery and then they will buy comfort food in the restaurants. Like I, I just feel like there's a reason why they had meaningless, senseless TV blasting on a loop all night, all night, like Wow, how terrible. Like, if you're going to be a terrible airline and a terrible airport, yeah. like, it's intentional at that point. I think there's – it also shows something that not a single person there uh, broke out and just ran up and grabbed and smashed that television. No. <laughs> like think that someone we're... eventually would just be like, enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're just – we are – oh, God plane travel it's the new it's the new greyhound you know <laughs> uh, but anyway on the, we get to san francisco and we have a couple have a, hours maybe cumulative of in yeah. flight and floor sleep yeah and, and now we, we have a four hour or five hour drive instead yeah. of a two hour drive so we drive right mm-hmm. um well we get breakfast right um Did we, we, we went breakfast we were in san francisco uh-huh. and we drove to sacramento right Breakfast and lunch was kind of yeah, it's blur. Yeah, but we had so it was, it was a beautiful thing. We went to a taqueria and yeah, I thought I had some pretty good tacos. I was happy yeah. with them. You, you were psyched. <laughs> you, you had your first two tacos of the trip. I think it was three. Yeah. Oh, your dad had two. Yeah. So this is me, you, and your well, dad. He said at it was going to be too much. Yeah, he, he was he, like, he, he was managed like, it. He was like, I don't think I could eat this. And you're like, I got that. <laughs> <laughs> you just leave me what you need. <laughs> exactly. But so you had your first, you fed your first uh, three tortilla based right. nutrition injections. Right. <laughs> um, so, okay, so we had a little bit of sustenance. We did some shopping at a Walmart there, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, we got a cooler. And we did some cooler shopping, and a, a chair. camp chair. Yep. Um, and then we continued on to Tahoe City. That's right. 
Tahoe City, the house is nice. You did a great job. Thanks. Again, you did that. Under yeah. duress, you picked out a great house. No, it was great. We had a, a nice house overlooking the lake. Trails right um, out the backyard. Yeah, I was surprised. I didn't realize, I think, when booking it. I knew that we would be near nice stuff, but I didn't realize there would be a link to trails right at, the, you know, 50 yards from the door, basically. You could go to the end of the road, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're on a trail that leads into the National Forest yep. and links up with a maze of jeep and single track trails yeah and it turned out when i looked at the map a little more closely if we'd gone another quarter mile we could have gotten to the tahoe rim trail which yep. goes all the way around the lake yep and we would have been on the tahoe rim trail which we later in our story will find out connects to the pacific crest trail <laughs> <laughs> that's right um, so uh but then we went into tahoe city right yep we went we went down into there we right went the first the, night it's just you and me and my dad we went into tahoe city yep we went to tahoe mountain brewery right and mountain alpenglow sports and that was coincidence but it was pretty nice coincidence that we ran into some of the elite women they had solomon yep. was having a thing there and they had uh Courtney Dowalter and who and um, Corinne Malcolm. Corinne Malcolm. And we got to hang out and chat and uh we were the only people there. I think like, that it was winding them. down. Yeah. And like so we at came that at point, the end. We came in the end and all of a sudden it was just you and me and yep. and those two. And they were like, Yeah, when are these two gonna stop talking to us? I don't think so. I don't I really don't think so. I think, you know, Corinne is is up from the Adirondacks. Yeah. She's run Cayuga. <clears throat> she she won Cayuga. Uh-huh. Oh, really? Um, yeah. yeah. Corinne, Corinne won Cayuga the year after Magda did, I think. Okay. Um, so she is familiar with Cayuga trails, mm-hmm. and that's kind of neat, you know. Okay. Um, Courtney, yeah, Courtney was kind of like, um, you know, I got this 100-miler. I got to go win by <laughs> over an hour in a couple days. I was really know? impressed by her. I, I knew a little bit about her ahead of time. I'd read, seen that video, yeah. and I, after both – Talking to her for a little bit and just seeing how she handled the race, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big fan. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, and then uh, I got to dip my toes in the uh, yeah in the lake, and that was cool. Lake Tahoe was frigid, but um, awakening. It's that absolutely was really beautiful great. up there, though. Yeah, that I would love to live up there. I know. I think something got something got sparked in you. <laughs> like, even I've been there now. before. I knew I knew that how much I liked it up there. Yeah, but and now it's rekindled again. Yes, exactly. Like stoked, perhaps. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we went the, out for dinner, and I got more tacos. More tacos. <laughs> um, so you, you're at five tacos. That's right. So five far. tacos in the day. Yeah. I um, I was. We went to. We went back to um, Tahoe Mountain Brewery. That's right. We uh, got some beers and mm-hmm. uh, kind of hung out. Um, and then we drove back to the house, and that's when Mike and Natalie showed up. Right. right? So we now we're five. Yep. Um, and then the next morning, Morton, or next evening, Morton, Erica. And Eric. And Eric, who's your buddy from Texas. Yep. So now you got your two pacers, you got your four crew, your uh, five crew, four crew, you're good to go. Yep. Everybody. We're, we're full strength, which is we're, eight. We're all assembled. Which is, you know, I, I didn't intend to have a team that big, and not that I had anything against having a team that big, but, like, I just didn't expect that that was going to be the case. But it turns out, A, you know, people want to go be part of this race mm-hmm. um and be you know i just had i was kind of making backup plans because I, I expected people to fall out fall through you know mm-hmm. people were kind of like yeah i'm gonna make it but i i don't know for sure you know or and they hadn't bought the tickets yet and so i'm like yeah talking to multiple people about you know 
Do you yeah. want we're to all it was all about the plane and all ticket. Of a sudden, once you buy the plane ticket, yeah. then then like you're in, right? Right. You expect a little bit of people falling off and then mm-hmm. said they were all in. Yeah. Which yeah. was awesome. I absolutely helped yeah. to have the sport and loved it. Yeah, and so we did um the day before we did the hike up, uh we went up to Emigrant Pass, right? Right. That was awesome. I was I was glad to go up there. Well, you guys some people hiked all the way up. You, yeah. Mike, and Natalie hiked all well, the way up. Well, you did the smart move. You took the tram. Yeah, you, I had to be. You and your I dad wanted took to the hike tram. all the way up, but I decided to take the tram. And uh, so we this sort was Thursday. of we sort of asked the lady. Yeah, Thursday. Sorry. So Mort and Erica weren't there yet. They yep. came that night, and Eric. So we asked the lady. We're like, "Hey, how do you get up to the top?" She's like, "Well, you could take the road." Or you could go this way with granite slabs. And Natalie goes, ooh. <laughs> and I was like, well, I know which way we're going. <laughs> Road does not sound good, but <laughs> granite slabs does. Granite slabs. And it was a great hike. It was really nice. Uh, Shirley Canyon Trail. And I'm it was glad very you guys nice. did that. And there was an alpine lake there. Unfortunately, somebody was flying a drone over it. Like, anyway. Oh, I think I got a little grumpy at that point, too, though, because <sighs> we had a little problem meeting up. And Yeah, you were a little slow. Getting up there on the tram. <laughs> it wasn't that it was slow. We actually got up there first, but then oh, we oh, yeah, went. That's what it was. I went. I was expecting you guys to come up the road, the the dirt road. Yeah, and so I hiked down to meet you guys. And, I didn't sense that grumpiness. Yeah. Oh, really? No, that was text message grumpiness. Yeah. That's different. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we went up to the highest point in the course. We yep. saw all that, and you that, see I, basically where the t- end of the first climb ends, and it's really cool. You can see at that point. If you look back, you can see the lake behind you, which is beautiful. And mm-hmm. if you look forward, you can basically see the first 25 miles of the course, basically yeah. to maybe, well, maybe 20 miles, basically until you start descending into Duncan Canyon. Yeah. Um, and and I think at that point, I th- so for folks around here, like, or people that just, I don't know, the scale that I think of it as, is I think of it as it's, it's double a Bristol climb. Like it's instead yeah, of yeah. 1.7 miles, it's 3.4 miles mm-hmm. up the same kind of gravel road. Like, oh, yeah, ditchy, it's, it's very much like ditchy, dirty ski Bristol. access road, you right. know, until but it's the last miles. The last mile or so is you get a little bit more trail, mm-hmm. yeah, mixed in, maybe not much more, but there mm-hmm. was we didn't the way the route actually goes on race day mm-hmm. is slightly different than what we walked up. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a trail section. All right. Gets, but. So let, let's jump to race day. Um, I mean, we yeah. could talk about all of the other things, but like, you know, we're 43 <laughs> minutes in. Um, people, if you want, if you want to know what the uh, the um, whole day bef- day before the race is, where you go do all the runner check, you can go there. Just go. It's fine. Um, <laughs> that's right. You'll you'll see what that's all about. Um, it is it is pretty, you know. Different than your average race, your average ultra. It's it more of a scene, and it's kind of a cool setting for it. it. You know, they have because they have Squaw Valley there. They have the whole facility of yeah. the ski resort there mm-hmm. um, to make use of for very large briefings for the runners and crew, and for a little bit of a runners expo and store. But yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah, just pretty race stuff. I thought the expo was. Um, I don't know. I I actually, as far as big races, like I liked, no, what I liked was I liked the gathering of the people. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was so spread out 
that it was it was nice, but like if you think of something like New York City Marathon, right? Like the expo. That's what I'm you can't compare it to. No, and you I can't I, compare I it to Boston or New I York City. I don't want to, and that's what I want to say. Right. The expo was not an expo. Yeah, it was a gathering of runners, and there were a few places you could go. Yeah, you could go to the one side where they had the sit-down restaurant and the really awesome burrito place. Yeah, which is where you broke your burrito string, which I don't understand. You went and got what, the, the wrap pizza. place. You went and got the pizza instead of the wrap. Yeah, <laughs> your tortilla. Well, the wrap ba- place was a little overburdened. Your tortilla-based food <laughs> you went right out the window. Well, where it really went out the window, and this I, one thing we should talk about before the race is lentils. <laughs> is that night when we were full strength, and you know, I had. Uh, we had lentils for dinner, lentils and veggies. And, you know, I, I eat a fair amount of legumes and, and lentils and stuff like that in normal life. And I ate them that night. And I was like thinking the next morning, bowel movement right away as soon as I got up. Yeah, money. Th- right. Your thinking, money. This actually might be a good thing. This is not what I normally eat before an ultra. But, you know, one of the things you struggle with before an ultra, one of the things I struggle with is – that first um, oh, yeah. and actually, you know, and second or the second one. right? <laughs> and so then I run like most of the way through the day and yeah. like get rid of a bunch of weight later on. Yeah. You know, oftentimes after the finish, and I'm like, why can't I just get rid of this earlier? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I thought this is actually a good thing. I should probably may I'll try this. And mm-hmm. so the second night. Friday night before the race, we did it again. We I had basically just again. had leftovers of Thursday night. Well, but but plus another style of lentils. Erica Mort came right. and made new More lentils. lentils right? <laughs> we so had, had double lentils. Yes, and they were delicious. <laughs> they were good. Yep. Yeah, I mean yep. that was part of the problem is that they were so good that and, you know. And sure enough, when I got up, you know, I mm-hmm. actually got a good night of sleep. Friday night, which is yeah, but that didn't break your tortilla-based foods because you wrapped them all in tortillas. So uh, because no, I, what, you didn't wrap them, I thought you did because I did. No, my yeah, my I had continued for a while because I was wrapping my eggs in the morning and mm-hmm. yeah, tortillas. I think you got up to six, right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Six or seven. Yep. And then no, I didn't for the oh, the meal for, on I did. at least on Friday night, maybe not yeah. on Thursday night. I did. Tortillas. I did, not, I did not use the tortilla. So and that may have been my mistake. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, <laughs> I got a good night of sleep Friday night. You know, relative to the fact that you have to wake up at three in the morning. Yeah, and we um, had the strategy of staying on East Coast, as cool as it would have been, to sit on that deck of that house mm-hmm. overlooking Lake Tahoe, staring at the stars. Mm-hmm. We stayed disciplined, and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night, we went to bed at sunset. Yeah, which uh, I think right. I think was key. Uh, like, no, I think it was great. So we'd go to bed at you know eight or nine p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, when the sun was setting. I woke up a couple times. I mean, Thursday night I had a bad night of sleep, and I woke up a couple times in the middle of the night, and I could look outside, and the stars were absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Um. And so it would have been nice to say, as you said, Friday night, I slept a little bit better. Still had to wake up at three in the morning and, and sure enough, the lentils were working right then. Um, but the problem was the lentils just kept working throughout the first <laughs> half of the they race. Are, they are persistent. <laughs> so, um, all right. So we get to the race. Let's, let's jump to yeah, race day. Um, 
So we arrive full crew and, and what, what was like moderately cool about the day before the expo where you see a few people sort of milling around and you're like, Oh, yeah. Hey, there's Jeff Browning. He's going to do Jeff yeah. Browning things. Well, the day of the morning of the race, now everybody looks familiar to me, right? Right, because all the other days they're wearing their normal clothes. I don't know yeah. what they look right. like, right? <laughs> so people are like, "Hey, look, there's so and so," and I'm like, "Nah." Yeah. But now, like everybody's in their mm-hmm. gear, right. and I'm like, "Oh, there's people all over the place, yeah. and they're they're about to go around a hundred miles." Like it suddenly got a little bit, you know. There was a little bit, and I went to go and talk to you and say, "Hey, Jamie." And you were gone, yeah. right? Like 15 minutes before the race, you had disappeared. Well, I didn't just disappear for the sake of disappearing. I think when we got there, we had enough time, but we didn't have a ton of time. And I think we were, you kind of, I got out of the car mm-hmm. a little bit closer to where than you guys were going to park. Yeah. And so yeah. I just said, I'm going to go get checked in yeah we went and dropped you off so you can check in because right. we had no idea how far that, that they were amazingly super fabulously efficient at yes. checking people right. in <laughs> and so I, yeah it was really i was like okay i've got 20 minutes to race start i better run i'm gonna run off in the car and get checked in and that's what i did and once i checked in i was already separated from you guys and i mm-hmm. thought well i'm gonna next thing i'm gonna do is go get one more bathroom trip in you know? <laughs> and so i had to wait in line of course you get in there and like the men's room has a huge line, and the women's room has nothing because the nature of yeah. ultra running at that distance is there's a gender imbalance. <sighs> um, yeah. Which is sad. I would like to see more gender equity. I would like to see. I would like so to see more women. <laughs> I would like to see more women in the women's line. <laughs> um, anyway, that's not really why I want to see gender no. equity. <laughs> no, not at all. We but, uh, we joke here. We joke. But, yeah, so then it took a little while to find everybody afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yep, so we did. Basically, we, you guys thought I took off and was – Well, I, I did, did spend you – did, You needed to, right? Like, I honestly, think, you've been in a house with eight people right. for two days. Like, I was totally like, that's what I would be doing right, right now. I, I, the last ten minutes before the race, I sat in a chair kind of at the back of the lineup field where you had room and they had some chairs back there. And I think they were yeah. probably for spectators, but I was just like, I'm just going to take this and sit here and by myself yeah, and just not stand by the front of this line where people are starting to crowd up and yeah. not get hyped up. I'm just going to sit back here and just like try yeah. to relax. And I have no, I have no idea where you were in the pack. I didn't yeah. see you. We, Mort and I, um, so like Mike and Natalie and, Erica and Eric and your dad, they went on a hike a little bit further up. Right. Mort and I were right down at the very first turn, maybe 40 to 50 yards from the start. But everybody else went much higher up. Yeah. Yeah, I saw a bunch of people on the way up the climb. We never saw you. Quite a ways up. I was was immersed in probably pretty much smack in the middle, Mm -hmm. which felt like – it felt like I was relatively close to the the start line when I worked my way up into there. But once the start went off and I realized how many people were in front of me, I realized it felt – I mean, the the field is not huge by any means. And then one reason why the lottery is so hard to get into is the field is small compared to the demand, but it's still larger than most races I'm used to running, most lar- long races I'm used to running. Like 
much larger than Hellgate, much larger than Twisted Branch. All those races are mm-hmm. fields like around 150. Yeah. You know, this is a field of 350. And so yeah. uh, I thought, okay, here I'm in the middle of the pack. It'll feel like I'm pretty close to the front soon enough. And no, as we started going, I felt like, wow, I'm way behind like so many people. Like I have to, you know, navigate my way through all this field. Um, yeah. And that's what we, what Mort and I said at, at the start was as we're watching it, we're like, whoa, that did not, that's what 369 people is like. Like, cause what? the start, the start went big. Yeah. The start went about we, so like I said, we were 50 yards away from the start. The start went four minutes. Like wow. it took four minutes for the last runner to go past us. Wow. And so like I re- I recorded a clip of the whole start, which, right. which people hear at the beginning. Yep. Um, but I'm going to put the whole start at the end because what's really great is there's this really like big clap at the beginning. Yeah. And then it's sort of like there's a little bit of quiet. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it gets loud again, and it's that way for another two and a half minutes. And everybody is super loud until the last person passes them. Mm -hmm. And and it was – it's like a four-minute start for a trail race, Mm -hmm. which was like a big deal. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine what like something like UTMB is like. That's that's exactly what I was thinking. But UTMB doesn't start like up a mountain, right? They start in a city street, Right. right? Right. But yeah. that might even be more crazy because the yeah. people in that sort of sprint yeah. sprint start basically. Yeah. So did you run up to start? No, I I mean a little bit of jogging jogging slash hiking. Yeah, same way you might do, um, you know, outer loop at at Bristol. Most people might do it. I don't know. Like no, you know, you, everybody does it differently. <laughs> you've done it seven. You've done it eighteen minutes. So you've definitely run. <laughs> I've it. done it without ever stopping running. But uh, I've, most of the times I do a mix of running. I've done it in twenty-two walking. minutes. So um, it, no, it was it was largely power hiking with some jogging when I felt like the grade was appropriate. Grade but was I, I mean, I knew unlike Outer Loop, right. you're at the start of a hundred-mile race. You got to right. pace yourself, and so there's no point. I knew there was no point in getting up there five minutes ahead of time by running. Right. So did you say to yourself? this is the biggest race of your life. Don't screw up. You've sacrificed so much and just go out there and do it. No, I, no, no, I didn't think that's not what you did. Like the whole time leading up to this, this was just, I mean, it's, uh, it was a, a dream race and a goal race, but it was not the biggest race of my life in the sense that there was anything riding on it. I knew that there's no way I was going to be, you weren't going to run competitive. Uh, I'm not going to run 14:30 with Jim Wong. You weren't going to run 14:29. <laughs> so, you know, in my wildest dreams, I would shave a couple hours off of what I did at MMT, right? Which would put me in the top 50 or 70 instead of the top 100 or something like that. You know, but mm-hmm. all of that is just meaningless. That's just, you know, makes me feel good about myself afterwards. But it doesn't. Mm-hmm. There's no greater yeah. accomplishment. There's nothing so, you get for that. So the other side then, if if that's not what you did at the start, when you were at the start, did you say, all right, let's go run for a day? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it was basically I, not – I don't screw this up because this is the biggest race of your life, but a 
don't screw this up in the sense of go out there and have have a good day you know mm-hmm. have fun enjoy make the most of this that mm-hmm. you can make you know um mm-hmm. uh i knew my training wasn't perfect i knew i wasn't going to be competing for a win or something like that but you can have a lot of fun you can you can screw up the day don't screw it up in the sense of don't dig yourself into a hole where you get to some place you get to forest hill and you're throwing up and you're heat exhausted or something <laughs> like that and you just and you're like this is the worst and you have to drop ever. out and everybody goes home and thinks I hate it was this. a terrible day right i hate this so, so much i mean i had fears of how badly it could go i knew that the downhill could eat your legs up and you could be walking mm-hmm. i knew that the heat could get to you and you could get heat exhaustion or yeah, you know, or not be able to eat because your stomach's off. Or, or maybe like what the heck? Oh, this is officially altitude. Like right. who knows? You know. Right. Um, but I guess that that would be the piece that again I would say. Um, we didn't we didn't deal with any of that. Like you did that all yourself. You like you handled all that. All all when we were getting ready to leave the house, mm-hmm. right. I did okay. We have uh, 25 minutes to leave. Yeah, we have 15 minutes. No. We have 10. You guys did an awesome job because we had to clear that house out. Yeah, we had to clear we, it. We weren't coming back. I was amazed at how smoothly that went. Like, yeah, I was like, we're gonna get run out of time. <laughs> Some cars gonna have to get left behind, but, and we're gonna to actually close out the house yeah. and stuff like that. And if like, I'm if I'm gonna take any of the credit, that's the only credit <laughs> I'm gonna take. Is that I mean. That the crew was assembled. They they executed. Mm-hmm. All I did was the checks and the watching of the time and mm-hmm. the like setting uh, the you did, you did a bit like, more in terms like of- when you set the expectation, mm-hmm. right? Like we are a bunch of people that are used to like setting goals, right? right? And yeah. pursuing goals. And so uh, but but you were doing your thing. You right. were you were like there wasn't managing any- your preparations, you were managing Mental, your race. psych talk or no. And you know what? The whole day there was none of that. No. Like the whole entire race, none of us had to coax you out of a chair. None of us had to. No, it wasn't like, really You smoothly, did all that. So I mean, there's, there are problems, but. Yeah, well, I mean, there's I mean, definitely problems. Hard but problem, hard right. things to deal with, but like. Yeah, I don't no, think my so. Attitude, I didn't I see any of happy. Them. You were fine the whole time. Ready I mean, to go the whole time. You could have ran 23-32 in my view. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, so, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So one of the interesting things about this race is you had a crew of seven people yeah. ready, waiting to do anything you needed them to do. Mm-hmm. But you had to run the first 24.4 miles of a race. You had to run essentially a marathon yourself before you ever saw a single person of your crew. Yeah. So you have have an aid station at 10, an aid station at 15, and then at 24, you finally see Morton, Erica, and Eric. And if you went out there with a normal crew of just one car— you would people, you wouldn't see them there. You would see them at thirty-one, except for the most super heroic efforts of Laura Klein, who did every. Oh age wow! Day. She did. She every managed those drives back station. and forth. She did it all at Mintz's pace in the beginning, and then <laughs> she paced Mintz later. Wow! Yeah. Wow. She, I don't even. I told her. I, I sent her a message after. He that. Owes I'm her like, something. Laura, I have, I have no idea. I thought about you the whole time I was doing this. I have no idea how you did all the aid stations. Wow. Laura uh, is amazing. 
Yeah, because the, um, the way she this... thought she was feeling, she thought she was weird because she was so wiped out. Uh huh. No, it takes wow. three hours to drive to the first aid station. Right. And you're running 24 miles to get there. Right. You know, and Mintz was cruising. Right. And you weren't actually a slouch. Like, they didn't have a whole lot of time to but wait. But you can figure that's, it takes four, mm-hmm. you know, for the faster people to get there, it takes mm-hmm. five. It took me, I, I think I got there in five hours, maybe six. Yeah. To, yeah, five, five to the, to Duncan Canyons, roughly. Yep. Yeah. 24. Five, yeah. And so... We could talk all day about, you know, the aid station places, but that time, that's 24 miles, your first 24 miles of Western yeah. States, you went there for the high country. That's yeah. what you went there for. Sort of. Yeah. I mean, it was absolutely, the, the high country was without a doubt the highlight in terms of the most beautiful part of the course. The first four miles are hiking up a ski resort, which is nice, you know, and it's a beautiful area, but you're still in a ski resort. So there's lifts around you and and service roads and stuff like that it's not not perfect but once you cross that pass and you start down the next 20 miles in Duncan Canyon is absolutely gorgeous like I don't know what it was like last year with all that snow that they had up there I think it was a mess yeah (laughs) but what it was this year with the snow all having been melted I did not set foot on snow the whole way and instead I had dry trails and just wildflowers everywhere and Mm -hmm. There was a field of like these big, not just the, the wildflowers you expect up in the high alpine mountains, but these big yellow flowers with like, they looked more like, I don't know, lilies or something like that. Like, it was just amazing. And like, in places there were you know, just swarms of butterflies cruising around all between them and like doing this little dance in front of you, around you. And it's just, it was gorgeous. Um, a little dusty and exposed in places and stuff like that but it was absolutely phenomenal yeah there were lots of articles about wildflowers that haven't bloomed in like 10 years oh really i didn't yeah that that are now blooming out in the deserts because of the the way that the winter went like Mm -hmm. the seeds have been dormant for so long and now there's just these wildflower fields popping Hmm. up and i remember one point you're like at um at Robinson Flat at mile thirty, you're like, mm-hmm. I don't know why they say there's a butterfly drought. There's butterflies. <laughs> it was like that. It's like, what? where are all these? How how are you feeling? There's butterflies everywhere. <laughs> that's the most important thing to me at that point. No, that's great. I mean, as long as they're not swirling around your head in a circle. <laughs> but, um, so you get into twenty four, and you get you get the Morton Erica and Eric. Yeah. That's your first. Uh, that's your first gig with crew. That's the first gig with crew, and it was Duncan Canyon was so much more intense than the other, the aid stations because one they the people will go crazy at the um, that aid station they have like they music put on blaring, like a rock concert and there or were like people in co- Elvis costumes and stuff yeah. like that and like it was a little over the top and there you know it was fun but uh, also you just start to feel the warmth that stretch from whatever it's called lion or red red star ridge to, to duncan oh yeah lion is 10 5 red star, star is 15 right and then Duncan's it's a long 24. it's like an eight or nine mile stretch to duncan and that stretch is exposed there's a lot of exposed running you're running up in the alpine meadows on along a ridge in and out of the trees but mostly just kind of blasting in the sun and it starts to get a little bit warm not hot at all by the standards mm-hmm. that we get to but like still mm-hmm. you feel warm yeah and you're in the sun all the time 
And so that was the first time I wanted some ice on me, and I got some ice poured on me, and I got an ice bandana a little earlier than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. And all these people, like, chatting me. There's also, like, at that point, both at, at Red Star – no, at – yeah, Red Star and then at Duncan – the first thing I had to do when I got in there is I got to find a porta potty because <laughs> these lentils are still working their way through me. And, you know, it wasn't uh, the kind of thing where your stomach has turned and you can't eat anything, but it's just like you feel discomfort while you're running and stuff like that. So, Well, and and the other part um, of that that whole thing was we, we did have um, – a really quick acceleration of temperature like it it did start to climb did it? i mean i don't, I don't yeah, know exactly did, but I, I know it was noticeable to me yeah it did start to climb really fast okay um and and i think maybe you didn't notice it because you were expecting it to be super hot mm-hmm. but it went from like 52 to 72 in you know, two time. and a half hours right. you know so it definitely i feel like it happened in that stretch that i ran yeah. From Red Star to, to Duncan, because um, I know when I came into Duncan, I was like, okay, I'm warm. Uh, yeah, this yeah. ice feels great, you know, and I want yeah. a popsicle. And they, and they had yeah. these popsicles and stuff like that. Um, now, you had mentioned that it was good to get into the canyon a little bit later because you had shade. Not so much. I wasn't thinking about there. Oh, the next Thumb canyon, later. but later, yeah, the canyons Sorry. that come later. Yeah, so um, I was thinking after- about it. I left. I, I know that I didn't hit a porta potty at Duncan. Mm-hmm. And I know that I paid for it going for that next stretch from Duncan down to Robinson is a big drop into a, a canyon yep. and up to up the other side. And this is I would still call this the high country because it, it's still you're still pretty high up and it, you're still having that that beauty. But you're starting to drop down deeper into the forest and the climb up is a mix of forest and sort of alpine meadow. But yeah. um, in there, yeah, it was on the climb back up. It was hot. And my stomach, that's when the, the I first had real experience with discomfort. I felt like mm-hmm. I'm hiking at a good rate, but I just don't feel good. Yeah. And my stomach hurts. And, like, that was impacting. It wasn't because my stomach was nauseous or something like that, but I was impacting my ability to take in food because I had this discomfort in the lower GI. Yeah. So we, we um, crew A, so crew B went to 24.4, crew A went to 30.3. Um, right. We drove to Robinson Flat, and on our way up, we had drove through the area where the wildfire went through okay. in um, 2008. Yeah, and it's the year they canceled years. the race. Yeah, the year they canceled the race. It's 10 years, and we're driving through this place, and it looks like Monument Valley. Uh-huh. Like, it is, I mean, yeah. it is just pillars it's just right. trees, yeah. and it was it was creepy. Like yeah. you know, Weldon slowed the van down, and we're all like, "Whoa, wow. this is weird!" And it was just all these carcasses of yep. tree stumps, and we we're like, "Um, good thing they canceled the race." <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And uh, I've been through a number of wildflower wildfire burned places, both in California and in Oregon, and I, I, yeah. I've experienced it. In places, and there were some on this race where you run through those sections. In places, it can be encouraging because you run through and you see sort of regrowth. You see yeah, we flowers were, come we back were and you see animals come back. Um, but I mean, times it is definitely creepy. The trees next to them were probably five to six feet, mm-hmm. but the burnt out 
trees next to them were 30 or 40 or 50 feet tall, yeah. you know, yeah. and you're just like, well, it's, it's coming back. Yeah. And obviously like if, if we just all disappear tomorrow, it's going to come back just fine. Right. Like we all know that, but it's like one of those things where you're like, this is miles. Yeah. It's miles. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's part of um, life out there now, though. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, crazy. So we got we got to that uh, area and we got there pretty early. We got there early enough to see Walmsley come through. Wow. And okay. Jim was, I mean, 30 miles and he looked like he just was, da, 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 you know, and we we're like. There he goes. He's gone like that. So we you guys were waiting a while for me. We didn't go to the <laughs> aid station, though. We went sort of down into the woods a little bit. Um, but then, you know, we watched a couple people. And uh, we're like, well, Hobbs is going to be coming soon. So we walked back to the car. We got all the gear. Mm-hmm. And then we went and sat up, uh, set up and started waiting for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Robinson Flat is an interesting aid station because there's this little wooded area. Um, the crew has to park at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And you're not sure if you're going to have to park at the bottom and then get on a bus mm-hmm. and go up to the top. And then you get to go to the aid station. Or I don't know the criteria because you could be a car that they say, Follow this bus up to the top, and right. then you get to park in the top parking lot. Don't know how they decide that. It's some sort of voodoo volunteer <laughs> magic formula. My guess is that they let people up there until it's full. We never saw and anybody then when come down. when someone comes down, they let another car up. We, never, we hmm. sat there for three sets. We saw people have to get on the bus, and we saw people have to go up. Oh. We never saw a car come down. Maybe you have to know the right people, I guess. I don't know. Voodoo. <laughs> we got to go up to the top. We follow the bus up to the top. Um, so we parked our car. Then we walked into the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, we watched um, maybe the top men's top 10 or 15 come through. And then um, then based on like estimates and just like feeling good or bad about it, we went back to the car. We grabbed the stuff and we went back. And we had a big, long debate about the chair. Mm-hmm. Are we going to bring him a chair? We totally should bring him a chair because it's 30 miles. He's probably going to change his shoes. Oh, we'll bring the chair. We didn't bring a chair. No. So um, that was that was the thing. Um, but we had employed this tactic. How, be- so wait, let me – how was that decision made? Why, why didn't you bring me a chair? <laughs> I love your dad, but he didn't bring you a chair. <laughs> your, your dad didn't carry the chair. Huh. That was a source of major disappointment that stuck with me. Yeah, you sat on a rock. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I I didn't do it. Because I did change my shoes. But we brought a chair to every other aid station. <laughs> so I'm just it, kidding. It's it was, fine. No, I just, it's it's fine. one of those funny things when you talk about it, right? It's yeah. like one of those just <laughs> funny things. Um, so we had employed a tactic. We knew that the aid stations were huge. Yeah. Like they're really big. Right. One of the things that people might not know about aid stations, and is the, I'll just say this because it serves for every aid station there. Mm-hmm. You um, as crew or as a spectator can be almost nowhere near a runner when mm-hmm. they're in the aid station. Yeah. They are gated off, roped off. 
Um, The runner walks into the aid station and all the volunteers are like, Roop, and they kind of take you, yeah. and you're in the back room, right? You're you behind know? the screen. Yeah, the actual aid station part, where the part where they have the the tent and the and, food and, laid and out the, and stuff and like the that, water and all that. Right. So you it's can not crew- like you're roped off from you know you're miles away. No, you you're, can crew ahead of it, right. yards ahead of it, crew ahead of it, crew behind, behind it. it. But there is a large area right. to which, like, you have no access. As long as we're talking about aid stations, I should also just kind of say as a general comment about this race, the aid stations are absolutely amazing, and the service there is, like, above and beyond. Like, you feel like when you walk into one of those, the ones that aren't crude, mm-hmm. you have a personal handler, yeah. and whether you want one or not. And sometimes you don't. You kind of just want to be left alone and, like, yeah. you know, but there's, like, someone who's just, like, what can I get you? Yeah. What do you know? We're going to sit over here for a second. You know, like, what do you need? You know, here's what, here's how we'll do it. You know, there's the bathroom. You kind of like you, ha- it's like you're a celebrity all of a sudden. Yeah. And it's for that way for, I mean, I wasn't at the front of the race. I yeah. wasn't at the back of the race. I was kind of right in that meaty middle where I think a lot of people were coming through. And if it was that way for me, I'm assuming it's that way for everybody. And it, it was, was that way all day long. You know, like to the extent I, often will kind of want to take care of my own stuff yeah. in there just because like I know how to get my hydration blocker open how or something eat. like that. Like I know <laughs> what I want. Years so, like, old. I know how I to can eat. just deal with it and like get it done. And they're kind of, you know, ready to take all that stuff off. F- 1500 volunteers right. that, I mean, this on is, race day, not yeah. volunteers pre race day, 1500 race day volunteers. Right. And um, this, I mean, the race is not an inexpensive race. I, they're not paying those volunteers, but they're paying, Something to have that much level of of service 20, and that many aid stations running with that many people. Twenty four thousand pounds of ice, mm-hmm. sixty five pounds of ice per runner. Yep. All right. So, like, you know, I'm not sure I use my I, fair share. I, I talked. I talked, <laughs> I was talking with Sheila and Eric from Trails Methods, uh-huh. Trail Methods, about many on a Jenny. They spent sixty bucks on ice. <laughs> 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 and, they the had, same day. and they had enough ice for all the runners. <laughs> <laughs> that was the same day as Western States. But um, so you're not allowed to, to right. be near. So we had employed a tactic of putting somebody up at the front of the aid station yeah. to point out where we were in the back mm-hmm. and maybe either walk you through or meet, meet you meet, on the other side of the yeah. Um, and it, and it might have felt excessive. I think it felt excessive to the crew a little bit because I was like <laughs> so much insisting on it. Uh-huh. But I think for places like Forest Hill, yep. where we were uh, – Forest Hill thir- so long. We were a th- third of a mile away. The aid station's know. at the front of it, yeah. and it's a good aid station. But yeah. the, the actual crowd and the crewing area stretches yeah. out. So for probably a, almost a mile or like yeah. a, you know, mm-hmm. three quarters of a mile. Yeah. I felt the cars like parked along the hole. I felt like there were points where I was like, okay, you've beaten this into everybody enough. Yeah. Stop. But that was one that I felt was important because I've read so many stories about, I came into the aid station and I couldn't find my crew and I ran out without them. Yeah. There were, there's so many of those, you right. know, and it was like, well, we're there. We drove all this way to get there on time. We brought all our job is just to wait around. Yeah. But we better damn well make sure that he gets this stuff, you know? And yeah, you guys were great. So Robinson, 
um, you came in and I was waiting up at the front oh and I was like, okay, we're, we're at the back and we're over to the left. And you're like, I need to find a porta potty. Yeah. And I felt like, like a hot mess. Yeah. Like one that was the heat. Now, if the heat was kicking in at Rob at Duncan, it was certainly kicking in at Robinson. And then Robinson's basically marks the end of the high country yeah. and now the beginning of the real heat. And you're now getting into the middle of the day yeah. and you're now more exposed to the sun and coming up that hill, trying to power hike while experiencing, you know, lower discomfort. GI discomfort <laughs> and Fullness. the heat coming on. Fullness. When I got there, I was just like, I got to get my shirt off. I got to, yeah. I'm like sweaty, hot mess. Yeah. And I got to get to a bathroom. And I just like, I didn't want to deal with anything. And yeah. like, so I feel like, um, you came in and they wanted to give you the, like I was, a, they wanted to ice me down and get I me going. I was thinking of this as like every runner went through a car wash. As soon as they yeah. came in, right. you got sponges, yeah. iced, watered, the whole thing. Yep. And I was just like, give me none of that. I want a bathroom. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> porta potties on the right. You go to the porta potty. Um, but then you go back to get your ice. Right. after That's, you come. Right. I did That's the smart move. <laughs> um, well, they're getting into a, a yep. hot porta potty when you're uh, hot is not exactly pleasant. So you, but I had to take. I had priorities. Yep. So you uh, have to change your shoes on a rock. That's what we. Right. We, so I all, go through. I get iced off. I get sponged down. I come yep. over to you guys. A guy a offered us a chair, but it was a real low chair. And yeah, I also was like, in addition to my sweat, I was dripping wet from all the mm-hmm. the sponge bath and stuff yep. like that. I'm like, if I sit in this guy's chair. Yeah, he's gonna have a wet. Like, and you aren't gonna be able to get like, out of that. Oh, chair. I just need to get my shoes changed yep. and get out of here. But as far as like you might have thought that that was a long stop, um, you did everything with efficiency. Yeah, it, it felt like a long stop to me. But right, I, I mean, I knew that I wanted to change my shoes and I wanted to change my shirt. Yeah, and um, I did that, and I. The, the shoe change took a little bit longer because I had the, the, so much dust on that trail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when I took off my shoes and socks, if you look at my shoes, they look like I'd just been running in dirt. Dust, dust would become a thing. Like right. all – we were hiking crew trails at 1 a.m. Yeah. just with dust. And we're like putting our shirts over our mouth. Yeah, I don't know. so dusty. I don't know what the impact on lungs is, but I feel like – Oh, your I, dad – your dad – I breathe so much I'm afraid – I'm uh, not afraid. I'm a uh, – surprised that i wasn't coughing up dirt for the next yeah couple days your dad was like my lungs will never be the same <laughs> that's how i felt <laughs> anytime you got anywhere close to someone running in front of you you were just running basically through yeah. a cloud of dust but you were i mean that was a 50k yeah that was know? a 50k and and a 50k and you came in and changed your shoes mm-hmm. uh change your socks we did the the baby wipes on your feet you cleaned your feet off yeah and put new and i think to me, that's what I think was the key to preventing the blisters. Oh, yeah. Because you didn't just take dry socks and put them over grit. Like or, you put got, a, or just not even change the socks and just change the shoes. Yeah, you head. got rid of all the grit in between yep. your toes. You know, yep. you got all that stuff. And you took time to do that. And if yep. that costs a minute and you're able to run at mile 90, like, yeah. hooray, you know. Right. No, that that's – I think it paid off. I had no – no foot problems throughout the yeah. day. I mean, I, I got a mild blisters by the the very end, but they came on yeah. at ninety mile ninety or something like that. Like, yep. when it was just yeah. get it over with. Time. And so you blast out of Robinson. You're gone at mile thirty. I got a, a new ice bandana. I got wrapped 
on the back of my neck. And also I took, no, I don't think I took ice on in my hat. Mm-hmm. I got my cowboy hat at that point. Yep. And I came out of the aid station with another guy who was complaining about how, how much ice he had in his hat and how it was too cold. And we were talking for just, I mean, we just hiked, power hiked for like three or four minutes together. And I was like, well, if you don't want that ice, I'll take it. You know, and he, he dumped some of the ice from his hat into my hat. And I put it on and I, I was like, oh, I can see how the, it does. It's really without any layer in between. Mm-hmm. That's pretty darn cold. And so um, I was glad to have it, though. You know, mm-hmm. that next section of the course. I have to say to 38, right? Well, 30 from Robinson yeah, 30, 30 to 30 to 35 is perhaps the least um, aesthetically beautiful part of the course, but it's, it's runnable. It's mostly gradual downhill dirt road or really easy trail. Um, and so it's, it's not night. You just kind of like, eh, why, this is not what I flew across the country to run on yeah. on dirt road or something like that. But at the same time, you can make up time, get it, get it done with, get bank some, some miles that are at nine minute pace instead of 20 yeah. minute pace or something there, like that. There's a part of Cayuga trails um, <laughs> where I say, well, this wasn't in the brochure. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's the part where you're running through the fields to go from one park to the other yeah. and you run through the fields and then you come out on a neighborhood street and there's like mm-hmm. four houses mm-hmm. and, and the fields are like 110 degree furnace. And then you're on this little road and you're running and you're like, these are not the waterfalls, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but get, sometimes that happens, yeah. you know, and you're going to have that in any course. Yeah. No, there, exactly. I haven't found any course that doesn't have a, no, a do you have section. to have transition? You and know? my only concern at that point was I've just finished the high country, 30 miles that were absolutely beautiful. Is this really what? The next <laughs> 70 miles are going to be like, it's, like, yeah, like <laughs> it's all this to the river. <laughs> but it wasn't. Yeah. And, you know, it was fine. You get through it, and it was a good place to, to run. I probably should have let loose a little bit more there in retrospect, and maybe I would in the future just because that's so easy to run. 2332. Yep. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you got to plan ahead. Yeah. And so it's a little while till you see the next crew that you go through, what? Uh, Miller's defeat at 34 and I probably should have cruised through there faster because the next thing you're going to see crew at 38 which is Dusty Corners yeah and that that was where we sort of started that's where crew B again Mm -hmm. goes from 24 to 38 right and so if you only have one crew you're not going to you're not going to have somebody there unless you have Laura Klein right Superhero. I can't even tell you. And she's she's like I'm carrying totes. Yeah. I'm pulling a cooler. Like yep. Yeah, I mean, most of these aid stations for yeah. people who don't know, like they this crew this course has amazing amazing crew support, but it requires a crew that is willing to work for it. They most of these aid stations require some hiking into or a shuttle into or something like that. So so not, that that being said, um we're saying two things. One, you had you had a crew that was willing to do a bunch of stuff for you, mm-hmm. but we're also saying the aid stations are amazing oh, and yeah. full and complete. It is it is a course you could run. I mean, you can run any course without a crew if you're tough enough, but it's a a course that would be reasonable to try. 
mm-hmm. with a, no crew or a limited crew just because of the amount of support when you come through every aid station. Yeah. And um, that that's sort of what I was wondering is like um, even Jim Walmsley has a crew. Yeah. Arguably one of the bigger crews really because he – I mean he has, he has a, full, a posse at certain He points. has a posse. He has a full tent. Yep. Like they they have – the sponsors are setting up tents, et cetera. So, like, I mean, even the guy who's setting the course record still has a crew. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things we were talking about is back in the day, um, no wonder why these records are falling, right? Because we have GPS. We ha- we can get from one aid station to another. The crew can get there. Mm-hmm. The aid stations are better well-stocked, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean? You're running 100 miles, but you're never – there's times – um, in the first 35 miles, did you ever like feel alone? No, no. Um, it's big enough that, I mean, alone is uh, hard to say, but like, I mean, by yourself, what, no. whatever I that knew is, that there was like, someone within less than a quarter of a mile ahead of me or less than a quarter of a mile behind me. Most times even less than that. I mean, you cause know? there's times that twisted branch where I've felt alone oh, oh certainly <laughs> i've run other races where yeah. i feel much more i've run the bulk of my longer yeah. um i mean like ultras Ma- where i feel Massanut like i don't see anybody for for hours yeah you know? like mess and you talk a lot about like by yourself yeah you know yeah um but here there's there's so many more people who yeah. are running in my mm-hmm. in my time yeah Right, twenty sub just sub twenty four hours. Right, exactly. But so okay, so you go to thirty eight. Yep. And um, when I got to thirty eight, you're fresh still. It's only been eight miles, right? Relatively. I mean, I felt I felt pretty good coming into there, except that I'm still going through this this problem with my lower GI. Still, still, the first thing I come into to, I think actually not the first. I I, because I remember I had to walk around to do it. I come into Dusty Corners and I'm like, come in, get some snacks and get ice bandage change. And then I said, I was kind of thinking that the, the porta potty would be on the way out of the aid station. It turns out it's not. It's in, back in front of the aid station. Ooh. So I said, I got to do this before I go. And then the, Mort had me walk, you know, walk me back to where they were. So it was a little ways out of the way, not you know, 100 yards or something like that. Yeah, but still. And then walked back and then left. Mm-hmm. And that. I know that at that point, and I said this to Erica at the time, my thinking at that point was ahead of time, I looking at the section, you know when you get to Dusty Corners at 38, you're not going to see crew again until 55, which is Michigan Bluff. It's, all, it's 55.7, almost it's 56. So that you're looking at an 18-mile yep. section with no crew yep. and both of the biggest canyons on the course. Yep. Um, we knew you were going to be a wreck at and 55. So, right. And so I got there and I said, that, you know, I'm not going to – and it's getting hot now. It, there's no dispute that it's legitimately mm. hot now. It's in the 90s. Yeah, high 90s. <laughs> not those little 90s yeah. like we had today. And I said to her, I'm not going to lie – I am scared about what the next 18 miles are going to bring because I knew, you know, you have a humongous descents and two humongous climbs. That was that and was your first time then when you were like, oh, boy. Well, I knew I knew ahead of time. I knew the, from the race that that mm-hmm. before I even started the race that that was going to be the crux of the race. Yeah. Um, 
If you can get to Michigan Bluff, I think. I mean, I think they said at the race briefing, if you get to Forest Hill, you're going to finish the race. Your chances are, you know, very few people drop out after that point. Right. But I really think that if you get to Michigan Bluff, very, you know, you're yeah. that's you've you've completed the hardest part of the course yeah. and you're done. So that's that's one of the things that we talked about a little mm-hmm. bit was um, the the idea is that crew uh, B goes to Dusty and Duncan and then crew A goes all the way down to Michigan Bluff mm-hmm. and then everybody meets up at Forest Hill. Mm-hmm. But we talked a lot about it and. We had said, you know what? It'd be great. We'll just all go to Michigan Bluff. Yep. Like crew A will go to Forest Hill and we will wait for crew B to show up. And then we'll all meet at Forest Hill, get our act together, and we'll just all go up to Michigan Bluff. It worked Bluff. out. You guys were all there at Michigan Bluff. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I don't know. We thought that it, it's not a very – interesting aid station it's actually the tiniest of Michigan all Bluff? yeah huh. it's like this little like corner lemonade stand um it's a fully stocked aid station I yeah no but i'm, I'm not saying i'm not uh, compared to something like yeah. forest hill oh, right. yeah forest right? hill is a, but a show. but um it's it's fully stocked and it's ready to go mm-hmm. but it's the smallest like that was the one where the crew could actually walk up to the aid station yeah because i don't get be right there and you could action. be there around but it's a long hike down. It's a one and a half to two mile downhill hike on a road to get to Michigan Bluff. To get to Michigan Bluff, oh, wow. and then you got to hike back. They up had a shuttle up. there. Yeah, they Did the do. shuttle take you all the way back to Forest Hill, or does the shuttle take you? No, just up the, the shuttle's bottom? just this little. It's not a great, uh, and there's lots of people, and they all have stuff. So we're Michigan tough. Bluffs. I don't know what it is when you drive through it or see it in other ways but it there there is a little cluster of it's like a little house community there's like a yeah. little cluster oh. of houses there yeah so you come through it yep a you, tiny we, little town we were sitting in some people's front yard right and they were like we absolutely love this race and yep. they're like come and come and hang out under mm-hmm. our tree you know i mean it's great mm-hmm. it's a little but it's it's obviously a, can't take the parking of yeah but it's a rinky dink we had you have to park so far away yeah. um but it's a weird aid station. Okay. Um, but anyways, like we were like, let's all go there. Mm-hmm. And and that was – I thought it was good because that got us time. Um, we went and we did some grocery shopping, et cetera, et yeah. cetera. Yeah. Because we only planned up to Forest Hill, like as mm-hmm. far as crew because who knows, right? right? I could, be on, like, a, I could be on a roll or I could be on a disaster yeah. death march at that and, point. And that's that's where I struck that balance between I could really beat on, hey, guys, we got to be really great about mile 85. Yeah. Or I could just, we got to be really good. We'll figure good it out when to, we get there. We got to be really good up to mile 62. Yeah. No, that makes you sense. Know, it every, absolutely makes sense to be like, here's our plan through yeah. mile Hill. 60, through yep. Forest Hill, and then we'll roll with it from there. And that's that's and that's, that's essentially what we did. Sense. Like you know that's 100k mm-hmm. he's done 100k's really well mm-hmm. we'll see uh how well this 100k goes <laughs> you know yeah. um and and i do want to take one more second to talk about um walmsley because walmsley came in to forest hill aid station in like 5k pace like i don't know what his 5k Probably, pace this is, is while you're waiting for me to 
yeah. come into Michigan Bluff. Um, right. So, yeah, we stayed at Forest Hill Before for a while. Before you even have left to go to Michigan Bluff yeah. to see me. We stayed at Forest Hill for a while. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, maybe it's time. <laughs> you know. But he came both feet off the ground, full stride. Yeah. No. Absolutely amazing no i mean and we say like everybody's a runner right and Mm -hmm. we're all just runners and we all poop in the woods and all that stuff and that's all true but watching somebody who is just uh, i don't know flying like literally flying everybody's a runner and then there's one guy who's a gazelle (laughs) and and francois dane i'm not taking anything away from him he was he was at that point maybe 30 minutes behind same thing, full stride, mm-hmm. you know, like they're not trotting, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? They're like just going and it was like, whoa, you know, whoo, you know, like, I came through with a little, a little pep in my step while I was walking. <laughs> well, well, so cut to Forest <laughs> Hill, right? Again, we employ that tactic, yep. put somebody in the front. So I'm in the front of the aid station and I'm like, you come trotting in, and I'm like, "Hey, Hobbs, uh, porta potties are right there." You're like, "Yeah, I think they'll give that another go." <laughs> but then you came out of that porta potty, and that's when you had your strut. The balance of my step, yeah. That was the one. Okay, like you had the legitimate. Okay, okay I felt good. So the way you walk, we through, should talk about the canyons, though. We should go back. Yeah, to, I mean, before that's we fine. get ahead to Forest Hill, that's fine. I wasn't in the canyons. I don't know. I, I mean, I was yeah. concerned, leaving Dusty Corners. Coming up to Dusty Corners, I knew what was coming next, which is I got a little more gradual downhill running. And there's a beautiful section of the course from mile 38 to between mile 38 and mile 45 or whatever it is before you start entering the canyons where it's called Pucker Point. And it's just a single track right exposed where you just have this really deep valley canyon on the side of you so you're like on a ridge and you're just running yeah you're not on the top of a ridge you're on the side Mm -hmm. and you just have a view down into this wow just really deep cut canyons and there's waterfall you can see it's white water down there and there's just it's huge valleys and it's it goes on for quite a ways and uh i did slow down i mean like if you're racing, you would want to just run through there. But there are a couple. I kind of like slowed down and walked a couple points. You so got time. Enjoy the view. Yeah, and, you got time. And look around, and it was beautiful. Um, then you come in. That's before you get. That's between Dusty Corners and Last Chance. Okay. And last Last Chance at uh, 43 or 44 is when you start going into the first major canyon, and that's when I was like, okay, but the the canyons have a reputation for being hotter than. The rest of the day. So people say if it's going to be 100 in, in Auburn, it's going to be 105 in the canyons or 110 in the canyons mm-hmm. or so forth. And, you know, so that's what it was predicted to be. It was predicted to be high 90s, if not top yeah. 100. I've heard Auburn. 106 was in the canyons. Yeah. I don't know if it was that high. There was a point, I think, going into the first one, which I, I think is um, Deadwood Canyon, uh, which is – Basically two miles of, of steep switchbacky downhill followed by two miles of st- really steep uphill to Devil's Thumb. So I'll, I'll ask now because uh, it just struck me in the way you described that. Is this the buttery soft trails that we hear so no, much about? No, not the at all. This is, this is, I was going to get to that. Okay. 
Um, was there buttery soft? There are places, but no. You know, the, the first 30 miles in the high country, are not, they're rugged. They're gravel. They're rugged. There's there's rocks. There's rolling little rocks. There's pl- plenty of places that are, are not technical and you can relax. No but There's plenty roots, of places right? that there's lots of – no, no roots. I mean, maybe a root here or there, but not – not our roots. Not but, our roots, right. But they're not – it's not Pleasant Valley. No. It's not just you're rolling around along a dirt path, mm-hmm. single track through woods. It's, it's rugged mountain trail. Mm-hmm. And um, it's that way the whole way through 30 miles. That, well, from the top of the, the emigrant pass down to the 30 miles, there's – it's mm-hmm. – it's not super technical. It's not running Devil's Path in the Catskills, but it's it's semi technical. You have to be on yeah. uh, paying attention. Yeah. And, and then uh, in the canyons, like you said, it's right. In the canyons, the canyons are the first one particularly is technical going down. You especially at every switchback. At every switchback, there's like a little rocky outcropping that's like. Uh, the dirt has faded away or whatever and they mm-hmm. left a rocky base right there. it's so dusty mm-hmm. that the dirt that that might be that soft yeah. soft dirt that yeah. we would go hey look a soft dirt trail mm-hmm. but that's all dried up and blown if, away if you watch um unbreakable killian yeah. says when he takes off in the canyons he says i'm loving the canyons i'm loving the more technical parts and and that's what he's talking about that it is relatively technical you cannot yeah. just open up and and mm-hmm. say, okay, it's downhill down into the canyon, and I can just let loose. No, it's downhill, and you got to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was definitely a pay attention thing. The second canyon down into uh, El Dorado Creek is longer. It's a four-mile descent. I didn't realize this, I think, going into it. I think I you know, figured it would be roughly the same. I, I, I probably knew it at some point. I've studied the course map enough but in the middle of the race you kind of forget those details four thought, mile downhill yeah it's a four mile downhill into the, the canyon and i thought okay the last canyon was two miles probably the second one will be about the same and so i ran i opened up on this first two miles and they were not as technical as the first and not as steep for the first two miles but then i kept and I going thought, you know all right now i'm just gonna at this point screw it i'm gonna let it go and you know burn a couple matches and see what my quads have. Mm-hmm. And you get two miles down and you get some views at certain points. And most of the time you're just in the trees and you can't see anything. But a couple points after two miles, the view opened up a little bit. And I thought that river down there at the bottom of the canyon is still <laughs> a long ways down. <laughs> you know? I am not even close to the bottom of this hill. So I better let it up a little bit. <laughs> I, I don't have that many matches. Right, exactly. <laughs> How many matches do I have left? So I backed off and ran the next two a little bit more slowly. You know, we're talking about, you know, a minute per mile more slowly or something like that, which makes a big difference. A huge difference. And it started to get a little bit more rocky again, and, and mm-hmm. it made sense to back off anyway. Both of those canyons on the way down and the way up, I, well, I'll say this on the – I know that on the first one, going into Deadwood, I felt this wave of heat when you start approaching it. Like, oh, yeah, 
I'm about yeah. to enter the oven. It feels like when you open the oven when you've set it at 400 degrees and you open it up, <laughs> it's this dry heat that comes out yeah. at you, you know. But then that was the worst of it, I think. It never really felt debilitating after that. Um, it definitely was warm. It was definitely hot and, you know, hard. How much do you think um, was – how beneficial do you think was the car wash or were the car washes at the aid stations? Probably probably very much so. I think because of the fact that it's a it is a dry heat and people say that, you know, like – and it's a joke almost yeah. people say oh but it's a dry heat but it's really true i think that my running here in 90 degrees and humid was really more than enough preparation for running in 100 plus degrees there and dry mm-hmm. i think i think 90 low 90s and humid here is worse mm-hmm. than um, low hundreds there and dry. Yeah. And so the fact that they're putting um, water on you, I, I'm not sure the car wash is the most important thing. I think that that, that helps, but that helps for an instant. The fact mm-hmm. that you have um, ice in an ice, band, uh, ice bandana or ice in the top of your hat and it's just constantly Constant dripping cooling. over you and cooling yeah. you and, and just – Better than the one-time cooling, yeah. right? Yeah. But that's that's what I was sort of getting. Um, I was getting the impression of like, yeah, it's seventeen miles, but we're not give. We've never gave you ice. Like we right. we did. Um, we did. Uh, we had a sprayer, mm-hmm. and I'm interested in your thoughts on the sprayer. The sprayer was awesome. Yeah, because, like, you'd go through the car wash, and then you'd eat and everything, and you'd mm-hmm. come back. And then we'd spray you down. But then we did the sunscreen, and then mm-hmm. you would leave. So, like, we never gave you ice. We gave you, like, tailwind. Right. You know? Um, well, you would give me a a bandana that had a – I sewed these bandanas, these ice bandanas that had a pouch in them. Yeah. And so then uh, – Which you made during your spare time yes, getting exactly. ready for the race. They had so much – ice at the aid stations you could just yeah. hand them that and, they and would that fill we the handed pouch. those to you at the at the front of the aid station right. because we couldn't fill them at the yeah. end and that's what i meant i guess we weren't we didn't carry any ice for jamie we put some ice into the reservoirs mm-hmm. for your bag but mm-hmm. you know so all right so you come in uh, forest hill we're okay. at 62 we're at 100k Right. Well, let's just let's back up oh, one second. Okay. I mean, that we got I mean, I'm fine with it. I got all night. <laughs> <laughs> At the two canyons, really, the end of the two canyons is coming up to Michigan Bluff. Which yeah. We've already talked a little bit about Michigan Bluff from yeah. your perspective. Yeah. But to me, that to me was the end of the canyons. The canyons. There is one more. That's they, the beginning of the end. They consider the the trip from Michigan Bluff to Forest Hill the third canyon, which is going through Volcano Canyon. But by, I mean. It is – Volcano Canyon is a baby compared to the two that come before it. You go down maybe – the two before it, you go down between 1,000 and 2,000 feet and come back up that distance Oof. in the heat. Volcano Canyon, you go down maybe 600 feet, maybe 500, and come back up 400 or something like that. Wow. Half of that on a road and you power hiking up a road. And you're, you're doing that over seven miles, so down 600, up 400, over seven miles. Right, as opposed to – the two before that are, you know, uh, between mile 48. What's last chance? Last chance is 44. 
and you go to Michigan Bluff at 55. So it's really two of those at two of those couple thousand foot descents mm-hmm. in 10 miles. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. And so you get out of Michigan Bluff. And so when I got to Michigan Bluff, I was feeling that's really a, that's part- a confidence booster. Yeah. You know, you kind of feel like, okay, I survived that. And I, it was hard. And that's really a part awful. of the course that nobody talks about. They just say canyons. Nobody mm-hmm. talks about it in Oh, nobody talks about it in positive, positive Well, terms. nobody talks about it in I, detail. I was like, scared of it in part because, like, I mean, there was a guy that I was running with for the first 10 miles who had also broken his hand before the race and was running with a splint on his hand. Yay. <laughs> and he was Two like, I, I ran this, you know, five miles, five years ago or whatever, and my race was going great until the canyons. And then I blew up and I had to hike it in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I finished it. And so, like, by, that was reinforcing other stories that I heard in the past, which is, like, this is where everything could the go canyons, wrong. yeah. And Walmsley says now that his second year, things didn't really hit, hit the fan until after that. But he says, the I think canyons. that what yeah. caused it was hiking too hard up the devil's thumb or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. So I knew that was a place that could go wrong. And when I got to Michigan Bluff and felt fine. Yeah, like power hiking, like as I started to get out of there, I was encouraged and I was starting to power hike harder and harder coming into Michigan Bluff. Like, I'm done with this and now I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. Of course, you sit down in Michigan Bluff, get cooled off, get sprayed off and it gets hard to loosen up again. You know, it took yeah. a little bit of, to go, yeah, but I was and, fine. And but we, you know, that's another thing I think I was a little bit jerky about, but we also kind of cleared, which is like. These are the things we're going to do, whether you ask for them or not, mm-hmm. right? We're going to spray you down. Mm-hmm. We're going to sunscreen you. Mm-hmm. Like, those are no questions asked. They're going to happen. Right. And and we talked about that before the race just to make sure that, like, you knew that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that was, that was probably me going like, uh, well, I don't care. I mean, he could say no, yeah. but I'm telling him, like, Right. I, I believe that these are two things that are going to be critical. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sunscreen, I mean, we're, we're from the Northeast. Yeah. And, and there wasn't a cloud in the sky right, no. the whole week we were there. Right. So, um, and I didn't get a sunburn. So no. you guys did something right. Yeah. But, but you also, again, rolled with it. Yeah. Right. Like, I think there was a level of trust that was important. Right. Like, we trusted that you knew what you were doing, mm-hmm. and and to a degree, you trusted that we knew. Yeah, what we I wasn't. Were doing. I wasn't fighting you guys. Yeah, on anything, but you always had veto power. You could have said, "You know what? No, I don't want to eat that. No, I don't want to change my shoes, even though just two minutes ago I said I did." Mm-hmm. But you know, there was a level of teamwork mm-hmm. at at this thing that I thought was was actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, We'll talk about what that looked like at about 2.30 in the morning because <laughs> the way you achieve teamwork at 2.30 in the morning after being up for yeah. 27 hours yeah, is guys, just just by not talking to each other. Right. That's how you achieve teamwork. Right. Uh, um, I'll, I have a comment on that when we get to there. But Yeah, so Forest Hill. Let's move into Forest Hill. Right, so Forest Hill. Or, well, um, just one last comment. <laughs> I ran in there and I felt like, and I warned you, I was like, both Eric and and Mike, I want to. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to run when we get to Forest Hill. Yeah. And then you know, when I left for Michigan Bluff, you it wouldn't necessarily look like that. I think I walked the first, you know, 
half mile out of Mission no, you, Bluff. You tried it out down but, the street yeah, until to it the suddenly turn. got like, slightly <laughs> uphill. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll walk. I but got anyway. a really good video of you and Mike running. But anyway, out of I was motivated, and I said, you know, be ready to run. And both you got, and both. Someone told me I don't know if Mike said it. Both Mike and Eric weren't feeling great because they'd been outdoors all all day Eric, in the sun. Eric was very concerned about uh, his ability just to go being up all yeah. night. He was, a, and it, you know, but I knew I knew he could do it. I mean, he's a really great you know hundred mile runner, and yeah. so I knew you know what tells us really good about him is he doesn't waste a lot of energy. No, that a, dude. <laughs> he's talking about a low key guy. <laughs> he is he is conservative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So he anyway, does not spend a lot of energy. But that, I mean, that that was my attitude coming out of Michigan Bluff. Is I am excited that I have survived the hardest part of this race, mm-hmm. and I am looking forward to running. Yeah. In the second. And half. when you came in to Forest Hill, I felt the like, same way. You looked great. I and mean, I, I felt and I felt beleaguered. I felt like I'd run sixty plus you, miles. No, honestly, you looked great. Like, I've seen you at the end of 60 miles <laughs> a couple times. Well, it helps that the, you have, a like, basically a gradual uh, no, mile I going mean, through Forest Hill downhill. Your movements, you right. looked great. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to sugarcoat anything. Yeah. You looked good. Like, mm-hmm. I was heartened with the way you came into Forest Hill. Yeah. And so I was like, so I said, hey, there's some porta potties right there. Yeah. And, and you were like, like, yeah, I think I'll do that. Yep. And then I think when, that was about the end of the issues. That's finally. Right. I think that finally. was like. And I mean, then, they've been la- they've been decreasing throughout the yeah. day. From they got their peak at Robinson Flat, and they decreased throughout the next thirty miles to to Forest Hill, and that was the end yeah. of it. I, and then, got, but then after you came out of there, that's when you had your strut. I had my step. I was like, yeah. You had your Forest Hill. They were strut. playing. Uh, what. Uh, they were playing um, oh God, uh, a, um, a Sublime song. Yeah, Sublime, which brings me back to like yeah. 20 years ago. And you were, you were <laughs> strutting. <laughs> you were strutting, and I was like, this is going to be a good day. And so I changed um, shirt again and shoes yeah. again at Forest Well, Hill. and that was, the, that was the point we ran together. We ran right. the, we uh, we ran the uh, third of a mile yeah. out of the Forest Hill aid station. All the way down to our right. um, our camp out. That's we didn't know when we set up that camp that we were right across the road from Camp Walmsley. Okay. So we got – that's why I was saying, like, I saw what he did uh-huh. because we were directly across from his tent. Mm-hmm. We didn't know until he showed up. Right. Because it wasn't like they had Team Walmsley on their tent uh-huh. or anything, <laughs> you know. Yep. Um, but, yeah, we spent a lot of time at Forest Hill. You guys did. Yeah. yeah I did. I think a lot of um, crews end up spending a lot yeah, of time of at course. Forest Hill, and that's why it's such a big aid station. Yep. You know, we went to uh, Wharton's uh, Market, I think, uh-huh. four or five times. Uh-huh. Like different. That must be one of the bigger days in the whole oh my year goodness. long. And, and we came in, and we were the first time Mike and Natalie went out. We were on our way to Robinson. And we stopped there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Natalie's like, uh, hummus. And she says it so loud. The woman's like, oh, we have many more hummus. We just need to stock it. We just haven't done it yet. So, I mean, but she was like, oh, I got this one, this one, this one. And we're like, we'll be back. And we bought 
I mean, collectively, we probably spent $200 at that Wharton's market, you know. Mm. Um, but you came in there. You got your you got your change. Yep. Um, Wiped down my feet again. Yep. Shirt changed. Full and shoes. And left there. Clean feet. With Mike as a pacer. And you uh, you trotted out of there. Yeah. Um, and I was like to have a pacer. I, I ran MMT without a pacer. Well, and, and I think one of the cool things was um, – as far as crewing goes, like, I love crewing. Okay. Maybe not everybody loves crewing. Right. Maybe it's a some, long day. Maybe some a lot people. Of waiting around. Maybe some people love running, you know? And uh-huh. so Mike really perked up when uh-huh. when he was about to go run with yeah. you. And I, I almost feel he, bummed for Mike that he didn't get to run the whole way. I think he would have had a. Thirty-eight miles is a long way, though. Sure, it is, but he would have done it, and yeah, he would have been capable of it. Absolutely, absolutely. yeah, no. And doubt. so I felt both, and for Eric too. Mm-hmm. I think both of them. You know, I wouldn't have necessarily split it between them. It makes sense to split your crewing between a couple of people if you're like running like Walmsley does, and you know, you're gonna somebody, spend <laughs> you that, might possibly you're gonna drop spend, your pacer, yeah. <laughs> but. You know, for the two pacers that I had, I wasn't going to drop either one of them. Yeah. Um, at, at the pace I was running at. Yeah, but they were psyched. But and, uh, you know, so I, I felt a little bad that both of them made the trip and only got to run eighteen to twenty miles each. But you know, hopefully it was it was good for both of them, and I hopefully he enjoyed it. You know, I I, I certainly enjoyed running with both of them. One of my highlights was watching you and Mike leave Forest Hill. Yeah, it was fun. I wish that we were chatting I, and we were just I mean, it was that way for for yeah. miles. We were just yeah, goofing off chatting and having fun. I wish I would have got to see uh you and Mike come out of the river. Yeah. I, that would have been yeah. fun. Yeah. Um I I didn't get down there By that time. time, yeah. My attitude had changed a little bit, I can say. So had you know? Mike's. <laughs> so had mine. <laughs> so had all of ours. Um but uh but yeah, you guys trotted out of mile 62 pretty much right on your 24-hour target. Yeah, 24-hour. I mean, so it might be a good point to say explicitly that, you know, ahead of time, I had hoped to run this race faster than I had run MMT. Um, I thought I could shave a couple hours off and so forth. Mm -hmm. Obviously, when training went as rocky as it did, I didn't completely let go of those goals but i thought okay those goals probably are not you know not they're one they're meaningless what's a 21 hour 100 miler versus a 23 and change 100 miler no one doesn't make any difference in anyone's life um (laughs) so you know one it's meaningless and two you know it's just not something you can necessarily expect when everything goes awry and so the only thing to to possibly care about is is twenty four because that's the arbitrary. No, that's not goal. arbitrary. Right. There's a defined line. Right. Right. There's a change the in the materials that yeah. are used to make your buckle. But I also sort of <laughs> thought I didn't let go of the higher goals, but I just sort of thought I'll get the forest tail and see what's possible mm-hmm. and see what I feel like. Mm-hmm. And I mean. If you let yourself have that kind of attitude, you're going to get to 70 or 80 miles, and you're going to say, even if 23 hours isn't reach, you, it's very likely you're going to say, who cares? 
I'll just go 2330, which is what I did, you know. But that was fine. That that's that was fine ahead of time. That's what I expected, you know. Yeah, there's there's something there that we could possibly dig into. Um, oh yeah, we could definitely. Well, I mean, I mean, the, the, but maybe we should just because, talk about the race. How? It well, what I'm out. saying is, 90 minutes, right? 22 hours to 23:33. Right. 90 minutes. Yeah. That is one hour, or one minute per mile. Yeah. Right. That's a big difference. 23:30 to 22. That's a huge deal. Um, is it? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. It's one minute per mile. Right. Right. But what I do know is there was a woman who finished at 182 seconds over 30 hours. Yeah. Three, that's a huge right? deal. Right? You know, 182 seconds. That's two seconds per mile. Mm-hmm. And she would have been a finisher. Right? So, yeah. like, it's all orders of magnitude all Absolutely. the way down. Yep. Right? You know? But but – I think the defining line for you, as far as I've known you, is 24 hours, right? right? I'm, I, I would like to go back and run faster. I, I would like to oh, wow. run okay. it faster okay. under miles sometime. Well, that was going to be my $1,000 question because yeah, go you got a sub-24-hour buckle. Yeah. Right? No, yeah. Because there's – you don't get a sub-23-hour even you don't get a sub buckle. Right, before we even cover the last – 30 miles. Uh, yeah. In retrospect, I want to do that race again. I want yeah. I want to do it again, and I want to see that I can do it faster. And it's not – I don't think I can run it faster in any sort of meaningful sense that will, like, get me, like, 17 hours that would put me yeah. into the, the top 10 or something like that. Yeah. I feel like – so it, it would just be purely, like, can you run a 21-hour – hundred miler on that course and mm-hmm. something about me wants yeah. to, to see, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, um, let's, uh, let's talk about forest Hill yeah. to the river Yeah, because we don't, uh, you as don't, crew, we don't see you to the river. Right. Um, and now you got, you've got WECDEV with yep. you and you've got to, the thing you have to pick up at forest Hill is you got to pick up, um, a headlamp. Headlamps. You're going in the sundown. Gonna, it's not likely. I'm Theoretically, get it's getting cooler. Theoretically. I also had to pick up a charger for my watch because yeah. I need the data. Yeah. Um, or it didn't happen. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and you set up a very elaborate sort of taped up. I had actually picked up the charger at, at Michigan Bluff, and it didn't stay attached. Yeah, it didn't stay attached. <laughs> so, Burns. Yep. Yeah. Um, so what we – I actually tore off the tape that you put on there at some point, and what I left it attached to my watch, a wrist, with the a charger on, and holding the charger in my hand, and that's the way I ran. So from, the uh, so so that that tape that we thought was all great and wonderful, it was great, but at a certain point, it, you wanted the watch on your wrist. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to see what time it was. Yeah, you needed the watch. And Mark, Mike's watch lost signal at some point, so we didn't know what mile we were at. And so I was like, fuck it, I'm tearing this off. And I tore it off, and it, it worked fine without it on. Once I mean, I was so probably used that flexi tape yep. so it could come off and again. And we got, before we even got to the river, it, it had gotten a full charge. So yeah. I could, it didn't even take the thing off. 
we were running i thought we were running really well um i don't i was surprised at how well how the splits don't reflect it i would have thought my average pace was coming down throughout there because i thought you know Mm -hmm. it so you asked before about buttery smooth stuff there is a lot of buttery smooth stuff yeah between forest hill and the river um a lot of good running there's a couple steep uphills in there where including like one that was so steep that i was like how did i where is that like (laughs) how did i miss this how did i miss this in the course description (laughs) but basically 90 percent of it is yeah relatively flat or downhill and you know relatively smooth so runnable and so you know i think maybe the fact that we stopped at aid stations and stuff like that you know and i at that point i should have been a little bit more disciplined in that about not sitting down but i still was every time we got to an aid station there was a chair there i said i'm gonna sit down for two minutes you know adds up it adds up there's yeah there's absolutely more than 20 aid stations at western yeah, states you sit there for three minutes each that's an hour i, you know, I don't doubt it right so it adds up but anyway we, i think we ran pretty well through there we certainly weren't weren't shaving off time we yeah were, you were staying racing. right on 24 yeah. hour pace instead of yeah making up time which was fine but um, i would say that i mean we drove to the river mm-hmm. and then the interminable walk so we went to okay. the far right. side of the river I'll say this. and it was interminable and it was dusty based on on our pre-race discussions i was expecting you guys to be at the near side of the river if yeah. somebody mm-hmm. and i got there and i had the in my pack i had the charger you we're gonna give it all to us and yeah i was yep. i was thinking as i got there i'm gonna i have to go across the river in the water yep. i'm gonna unload the the battery charger i've been carrying this i carried an ipod shuffle the whole mm-hmm. way in case i wanted to listen to music i never did and unload that. I have this garbage, other stuff that I'm going to unload mm-hmm. before the river crossing. And I get there, and they're like, "Nobody." I think I have a crew here, and they're like, "Nope." What's your name, Hobbs? You know, they're like Hobbs crew is anybody Hobbs crew, and like no one no. steps up. I was like, Nothing. "Really? Huh?" Yeah. I was shocked. I was I, no, not shocked. I mean, it wasn't. No, like, I, I because we, you guys have been so on point every single we place. We were else. shocked too. So we were going to have a crew go there, and it turns out. It's a like a five mile round trip. You know, you got to get right. on a shuttle bus. Right. You got to no, get in. I understand. You can't have somebody on one side to go to the other side. It was like a uh, the river is a big deal, mm-hmm. and if our planning fell apart anywhere, it was at the river. Yeah, yeah. That was the um, one. That was the only point where it was. But it was things didn't. It was not like anybody that was going to get to the river was going to be effective. Right. Like they were no, all just the, going to get to the front end of the river. The only thing I could – that would have been useful for me at that was point was just to unload stuff that I had with yeah. me. Right. And, you know, it, it didn't matter. And, you know, we quickly realized that. Like, So so we got to we, um, the I far put, side of the river. They told me that the river was waist deep or less. Mm-hmm. And so I put all the electronic stuff that I had up in the higher pockets – yeah. Got in there and got got across, and it was not a big but deal But we all. had got to the far side of the river, yep. got the interminable hike all the way up to the Green Gate Aid Station. Yep. And then, da- and then start down. All the way down, and I didn't make it down in time. Well, by the time like, Mike and I made it across the river, we met you guys. You, 
who's no, the first? Erica, Mo- Eric and Erica Moore, Moore were the first to the, meet and us. Then Eric, and then were they didn't quite meet us when we got across yeah. the river, but they were like within a hundred. And yards. I mean, that was us working to get I'm sure. to the far side. Yep. Like I don't even know near side how we would have, you know. Like, I should say at that point, the river crossing. The the temperature had dropped significantly enough yep. that the river crossing was actually cold. I actually yeah. felt chilly at points going across the water. And the river crossing was surprising to me in that it and how kind of tedious and annoying it was. Yeah, you look forward good. to it as kind of like this exciting part of the race. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be if the water was higher and you could just kind of pull yourself across on the rope. Yeah, and but instead not step it was stepping from boulder to boulder the whole way. Ugh. And I thought, oh, is it going to get smooth in the middle? No, it's boulder to boulder, and they're all e- uneven. And so they're lit by little glow sticks under the water. And plus, when I went across, there were, like, multiple other people going with us. And so everybody's yanking the rope back <sighs> and forth. So you're, so like, gross. getting pulled, you know, every which way. And so it was not... It was nice. It was. A, it wasn't as romantic yeah, as it no, sounds. It huh? didn't sound. It was not a great experience. It was not the most pleasant part of so the race. Maybe, but at least it was a, a memorable marking of you've made progress in the race. Either a boat or deeper water. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So then it's a. Um, so from the aid station down almost to the river, I didn't quite make it, and then came back up. That was a five k. So I can imagine. From the aid station down to the river and back up is four miles, about. Wait. Um, the aid station on the, on the near side of the, the river far I went side, through? Far side. From so, Green Your far side? Or, no, yeah. to Green Gate? Yeah. It's only like two miles up to Green Gate. Yeah. So, down yeah. and oh, back you, up. Yeah, you guys did a. Yeah. So, yeah. I did a 5K. Right. Uh, for nothing, essentially. Well, the, I mean, not for you, nothing. You walked back up with we me. We walked back up, but Mostly. I didn't get down to the river. Yeah. And uh, the dust that was on that trail was only a, a sampling of the dust that's on the road from the parking oh to that. And only um, a sampling of what I was running through all day yeah. long. So when we were when we were um, at that aid station, um, before we headed down with you, um, Bob Shabest was at that aid station. Okay. And he had said uh, he he was not very happy. Yeah. And he had said, uh, he's like, anybody want to take this number and just walk it in? Because I'm done here, you know? And I listened to him on URP recently. And yeah, yeah, I mean, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth, you know? Um, It was not a great day for him. So what did I tell you? I said, hey, Bob Shabest is like a half hour ahead. (laughs) You never told me that uh, Eric Sensiman was within the the reach. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Um, it anyway, was dark out. <laughs> we switched. We switched pacers there from Mike yep. to Eric. Yep. And I ran the last twenty or so in with Eric. And that there's a ton of. It's a mix. There's a ton of runnable stuff in there, like flat, smooth single track. That's great. But I was surprised that there was a mix of of pretty rugged climbs and descents in there too short short steep climbs right? not not even just the short steep ones like the one there's two you you close out the race with this climb from the last what is it called brown's bar or um they changed the name at mile yeah 90 brown's bar um from there after a mile after or so after you leave that 
you start climbing up to Highway 93 or 49, Highway yeah, 49. Highway 49. Yeah, and that climb is nasty. Is nasty, and it's 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 technical. I mean, not technical in the sense of like you're climbing over boulders, but it's it's basically washed out, mm-hmm. you know, um, ravines. So the the trail is is run out, and there's rocks all over it, and it's steep. And it goes on and on. It, it's probably a. It's between a five and five hundred foot and thousand foot climb. You go from there. You get to um, Pointed Rocks Aid Station, which is the last point I saw you guys at. Yeah. And then it's descent. And at that point, my quads were shot. Yeah, and that's when I asked you, "Do right. you have a uh, hour and forty minute ten k left?" Right. And you and you said no. Yeah. And I said, "Well, you better." <laughs> Because <laughs> you you had an hour That's, and forty minutes to hit twenty four hours. I think and, I, I wasn't doing the math quite in my yeah, head. Where so was. you said no, and I said, "Well, you better." And you go, "Oh wait, yeah, I do." <laughs> I, was thinking, I think when you said that, I think I was thinking ten miles or something like yeah. that. Like a, <laughs> but that was the middle of the night. I mean, but, that was the legit like we as a crew. And I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to take us in the three hour territory, but. As a crew, that's when uh, that's when our threads were being pulled sure. a little right. bit. Right after um, the river crossing, I think yeah, everything started. That, to people got tired. Be tough for everybody. Well, also we didn't we didn't make a plan for right. that point. Right? right, we didn't say, "Oh, we're all going to go refresh for forty five minutes." Right. Or who gets a gonna, break? Nobody yeah, gets we, a break. We when, didn't. If do you have a plan that. for someone yeah. to get a break, no one gets a break. Well. And what was the break? Like right. to drive 40 miles, no, right. you know, to the bed on Twisty Canyon Roads. Yeah. Like, so we didn't have that plan. So, but you know what? To to our crew's credit, I mean, we, we're, we're all solid individuals that have all run really long races and yep. have dealt with, I mean, Mort's done with adventure races. Erica's done with, you Everybody's know. Everybody's dealt just, with exhaustion. Yeah, just, and so we just did what you do in a race, you do what's good for you. Right. Right. You are still, yeah, we're all still, still doing the job of and you, helping me out, which and is And you're doing what you need to do at that right. point. But at that point, after pointed rocks, at pointed rocks, there was a difference in terms of how every aid station went, which was like, at this point it's 90, Four miles. I just need to get we it done. We just said get going. Yeah, exactly. Are there any you didn't emergencies? Even say it. You just said, do you want yeah, something there, or do you want to keep moving? Yeah. And are I there, just said, I want yeah. to keep moving. Yeah. Because I, I knew you, now we were no longer, you know, the whole point from Forest Hill on, I knew that I had plenty of time to play with. Yep. And now it was getting to the point where I had plenty of time to finish, yeah. but I didn't have time to play with anymore. Yeah. I needed I think, to actually run. I think we had said, are there any emergencies? Right. All right. Get going. You, you know, said, "Do you want something from us, or do you just want yeah. to keep moving?" And I and, said, "I want to keep moving." And you, and, and so I walked through the aid station, grabbed a couple, maybe I don't know, you, you were, squares you were or whatever there they were for a little bit, like taking stock a little bit, few minutes. Yeah. But um, I knew also that I had two or three miles of downhill running mm-hmm. to get to No Hands Bridge, and I knew that my only strength at that point was flat running. Yeah. I could run flat. I could just kind of go a ten-minute mile at yeah. flat. But running downhill was like I had hoped my quads wouldn't give out, but I was kind of like, yeah. They hey, they give out a mile 90. That's all right, right you know. But, but I managed a decent, you know, not fast pace, but I could kind of salvage some some kind of run mm-hmm. down to No Hands Bridge. 
some some kid went past me at a blazing pace. I think they were trying to hit twenty three hours, and then Show I'd be off. shocked if yeah. they made it because we were not that far away. From, yeah. uh, there wasn't that um, much room. But anyway. so at that point, though, we made a choice. There were there was a lot of desire to go to No Hands Bridge, yeah. like, and I definitely wanted to go, and yeah. and we all really wanted to go. But getting parking, hiking to No Hands yep. Bridge, and then getting back to Roby Point, like mm-hmm. everything I've read and everything I've heard, and even at the pre-race briefing, they were like, pick one or the other, yeah. pick No Hands Bridge right. or Roby. Right. And I was kind of like, you know, we're going to uh, Roby, you know. Yep. So Roby Point is the place where – all of your crew can join you, yep. right? Everybody can come up yep. and run, and it's perceived as this giant celebration. Everybody reunites, and you run th- from Roby Point all the way through. Roby but, Point, uh, it should add, it's just from No Hands Bridge. It's basically like a two-mile climb. That's no what Hands I was going to say. My What I understand it to be is a giant climb up to Roby Point, <laughs> right. right? Like right. you're going down. Yep. From um, Pointed Rocks. From Pointed Rocks, you go down through No Hands Bridge, and then you got to climb back up. And you've basically got two miles, mile and a half or two miles of climbing. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not the end of the world. It's probably a little less than 1,000 feet of climbing or something like that. But and at, at that this point, point where you're at 3 in the morning. And Yeah, and it's 98 miles into the race. so And it's 90 degrees. You're done with climbing <laughs> well it's cool it was it was actually probably in the 70s at that point no i don't i don't think it was 70s oh, yeah? at that point no it I don't felt so. fine after yeah after 100 it's, we it's should talk a fun. little bit about heat briefly just about heat training and heat mm-hmm. management because i think that is the key to mm-hmm. this race or it can be mm-hmm. and most years but like um yeah so going up roby i mean basically it's funny i i saw the same People pass back and forth and back and forth from, if not mile 50, mile 70, certainly, over and over again. And still, I was still passing them back and forth on the way up Roby. And it, there's a cluster of us that all finish together in 23 hours and 30 minutes, roughly. And uh, it's the same people I'd been seeing all day long. And uh, going up Roby was no different. You know, they had passed me going across No Hands Bridge when I was kind of like walking my way out of the aid station and getting used to the idea of, oh, I got this climb coming up. But once the climb started going, I was like, all right, I'm ready to grind. Let's go. You know, mm-hmm. and, and Eric can tell you we power hiked or jogged some of the, the less steep parts of it actually ran at that point. So I was pretty happy with that. You get to 98.5, 99, and you're at Roby Point, and then it's just a mile or a mile and a half of town running downhill. So there's a um, – so some of the crew went up to meet you, uh-huh. and then me and your dad sort of stayed down at yeah, the bottom. Right. I think the first people I saw was Morton, Erica, and then maybe Mike – and, and Natalie. Natalie, and then yeah. I saw my dad and, and you at the yeah, and front. so we sort of stayed down at at the um the bottom um and one of the things that that we had heard was oh you know there's all these footsteps running mm-hmm. through the town and like was it 
a giant celebration? Did you feel like it was a big celebration or did you feel like this is the longest mile? <laughs> it wasn't the longest mile. I was ready to be done. And, you know, when it, it could have come faster than it did, but it, it didn't feel like an interminable mile. It felt like a, a bit of a, a victory lap. Yeah, because the drop down on Finley Street to to Placerville, that's yeah. a drop. I yeah, mean, that's a downhill it's downhill. Road I, run. I, I was concerned about that because my running downhill was not pleasant anymore. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. It wasn't a problem. Right. And by the time, the, what was really a celebration was once you hit the track. So I was going to say before we get into the stadium, is there is there anything else about Pointed Rocks, No Hands Bridge? The lights, the fancy no hands bridge. Did you feel like you're gonna fall off? Was no, that like, no, know? I didn't feel like it was gonna fall off. It, it was, it was fun running across no hands bridge. Did you feel? I'd like love it, to see it in the daylight. Yeah. Did you but feel it, like it was a like a monument? Oh yeah, I knew that that would met marked. But you're but at what, the, you're at the end of this race. Was so. it a thing? Were you like? Dude, this is no hands fridge. I, it was just a let's get this over with kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. At <laughs> that, that uh, point, my attitude was not terrible. It was positive, but it it's was like, just sort of like, let's do let's finish Was it this. similar to like, oh, I'm on the carriage road for Sega Honda? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe I was a little yeah. more more interesting than being on a carriage road, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's similar feeling. Like, but like okay, I know I'm in the final stretch. Yeah. Let's get it done. Yeah, and No Hands Bridge is ninety four, so you got a ten k left. You know. Yeah. So is all right, ninety four. No, Pointed Rocks is ninety four. No Hands is more like oh, 96, 97. 96, 96, yeah. 97, something. Yeah. Like so so now you're coming in the finish. Um, random thoughts entering your head. Anything weird? Anything strange that you kind of go like? Huh. No, no, no. It's just a, a fun feeling of getting to run around the track and just also in the, in the lights you know you've yeah. been in the dark for so, so long and all now you're in so your light. dad decides my that dad joins your me and dad starts decides running that he's gonna blast me. you on a 200 like he's got you <laughs> right now no we were running together and i actually kind of felt like maybe i was running too fast he probably felt he probably didn't so so your way. dad your dad had been drinking red bulls all exactly day. that's and, a, and i was gonna the, mention that about the uh the pre-race, uh, the expo, is yeah. what, that was when my dad discovered the, the Red Bull. <laughs> he was like, I probably had two Red Bulls in my whole life. They're pretty good. I don't think they, I don't th- I don't think they'd do anything to me, but they're pretty good. <laughs> but, he was amped up. But his story is that he was like, James, I'm going to run around the track with you. And you said, Dad, I'm going to slow down. And he called BS on your slowdown. Right. And started running. Yeah. No, I I thought when he started running with me, I felt like I was running a bit in front of him. And so I slowed down for him to, to mm-hmm. run with me. And he said, no, 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 don't no, slow down. No. Yeah. Yeah. Your dad has, and for anybody that doesn't know, your dad has run a bunch of marathons. My, my dad has a, legit, bunch, a legit speed. And he's I, run 50 milers. I've never like, uh, come close to, I've, well, I've never run a legit road marathon. But I don't think that there's a likelihood that I would run a 252, which I think he's run. I think mm-hmm. it's 252. Yeah. I have also never matched his escarpment time, which was 330. Yeah, 330 is a hell of a time. Which is a, a decent, respectable time. 330 is a hell of a time <laughs> yeah, exactly. on the escarpment. <laughs> so, so that's why he my was My dad like, has legit 
he's he, not going to say he has speed. He he yeah. won't admit that, but no. he is legit speed. But what he did say was, "You're going to slow down for me on yeah. the track." Right. BS. Yeah. Exactly. And he was he was hauling it on that yeah. track. Yeah. That was super fun, and I tried my best to get a good picture of that. Uh huh. I put it in. Uh, I put it in like the super burst mode, like uh-huh. sports. And I'm sure it was because I was so shaky from caffeine after 30 right. hours. I did down. not get a, a good picture. Um, he peeled off, you know, in the last 50 yards or so, we, which he shouldn't. He didn't need to do. No, but we were all under the impression that you should kind of go under the finish line yourself. Yeah. Um, I understood that that only because I think like that's that was something not that should have happened. Because as we know, like there are people that are crossing eight wide with their right. family. Not that I was going to get line. disqualified or something. Like no, that, or that, or just whatever. Like we all just thought, like that was it's appropriate. It was for your someone race. Was run. It was your race to to, to finish Go. along. Right. Go. You know. No, I get. I, yeah, I can see that. It makes sense. So, um, so then you finished. Yeah. And then you lay around for <laughs> seven and a half hours yeah. to get your shiny buckle. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I, I want to share, and and uh, it's interesting for me finally being able to be there because we've all read Scott Jarek's book, Eat and Run. Yeah. And if you have not read Eat and Run, read Stop Eat and Run. Stop listening and go yeah. read it. Read Eat and Run. Keep listening and then go read Eat and <laughs> <Okay>. Run. <laughs> I'll be the podcaster here, house. <laughs> um, but no, go read it. It's I a great agree. book. I agree. It's a great book. Um, but he talks about, and I stayed at the finish line, and I rolled out my sleeping bag, mm-hmm. and I laid there. And not knowing and being like, you know, a person from the East Coast that's never been there, you envision him laying at the finish line of a race. Mm-hmm. And he's laying in the dirt and the grass. This was this place is amazing. This finish line has everything a person needs to live forever. Yes and no. <laughs> well, it's exposed. It's well, exposed. Right. I mean, it's perfect. You, yeah, you're not laying in the in the dirt in the middle no. of nowhere. No, like that you are laying there. But yeah, it's exposed, which means that it was very comfortable laying in a sleeping bag until, until the sun, the sun came, came up, up. and yeah. then all of a sudden it got blazing hot. Yeah, but we but found to, a nice hovel. They didn't have any bathroom. The, the ba- nearest bathroom facilities were 100 yards away at the far end of the track. Based on where we chose to which, lay down. Yeah, right. Which is right parallel which, to the finish line. Which is right where the food was. Yeah. Also so the food the and the bathrooms were all at the far end of the field, which is fine. That's totally it, fine. But when you're you know, no, it's barely capable of moving as no. I was – an I hour lo- after finishing. I love it. It it's was great. a little bit of a problem. It's great. it's great from your perspective because, like, from my perspective, um, we hid behind that photo booth, right? And right. that was good for you to hide and lay G- down. Give me some shade for a couple um, extra hours. But uh, you were right by the medical tent. Yep. <laughs> right after you were behind the finish line. So, like... But if you walked up, like there were all the booths and everything like that, mm-hmm. where like there was a few select vendors or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but the kids were bouncing on that friggin' bouncy house all morning. They mm-hmm. didn't care about the heat; they were just bouncing. But there was breakfast for everybody. Yeah. Well, first off, at five a.m. they were serving dinner. dinner. Yep. So I got a burger right yeah. after. 
Right after you finished. And then they started serving breakfast by 6 or 7 in the yeah, morning. they had veggie burgers. So I moved on from a burger to, yep. you know, pancakes the, and yep. hash Full spread. Yeah. Full spread. All three all three of the meats, pork uh, pork sausages, bacon, bacon. and, and uh, what did they have? What's the third? They, no, they had, they had uh, bacon, they had sausage patties, and sausage links. All three meats. Mm-hmm. All from that one particular unicorn. And it turns out. What I didn't realize is that they actually have a, a area set aside for people to set up tents. Mm-hmm. You know, so they have the track infield in the back. where there are a lot of people. But she's in a tent. But you would have been steaming. But you could at least set up a. Um, you could a tarp, set up a canopy, which would give you yeah, shade. A canopy, and then you'd be yeah. right next to the the food in the bathroom. Yeah. But there were no questions asked. Like yeah. if you were in the race, you got fed. Yeah. If you were crew, oh, if you were crew, no. If you were family, us. if you were anybody, you got fed full dinner, full yeah. breakfast, full drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. It, I was. And let me tell you that the massage. There was massage, free massage for the finishers, and that guy did a number on me. He I did. was in a lot of pain. He worked for doctors, <laughs> but um, but what did he tell you? He said, "Come back in a couple yeah, hours." Yeah, walk her off and come back. And I was like, I walked it off. I was like, I don't know if I'm ready to get back. But you did heal up really, no, really quickly. No, surprisingly quickly. Like yeah. for two days, I, I more or less could not lift yeah. my left leg and was limping around. Mm-hmm. And then it came right back. All right. So um, because we want our people to have this to be a synopsis of your race. Yeah, I got I to gotta um, wrap things up. Final Final judgments. Um, Final you said that you want to go back to this. Oh yeah. This is an, um, this is a surprise to me. Yeah. Um, it w- yeah. now, now I know you as one that always wants to do a little bit better, yeah, Exactly. That, but, that's part of that. but we've also talked about that belt buckle that you're wearing right now mm-hmm. is possibly a $10,000 belt. buckle. Oh yeah. So it does. My first response after was. I don't need to go back. This was such a burden on my family and such a burden financially. Um, it, it adds up. I don't, I've done it. I could maybe start thinking about it in a few years, do other things for a few years and then start the project again so that I end up going back in 10 in years. In the 50s. But I'm now I'm tempted to put my name back in for next year's lottery. Oh my God. You're amazing. Um, You're amazing. And, in part because I want to. Improve. Well, you have a sub twenty four hour finish. You have a ticket. You get into exactly. Next year's no, yeah, I can. I can You're go right Western back in. I don't have finisher. to do another thing. Yeah, all year long. Right, you could run back. Hellgate and have next year exactly. taken care of. Right. Um. Part of it is the desire to improve. Part of it is I know that I can run. Shave a couple hours off my time. But how different Part, is between both between just running, managing my race differently, and also actually having more perfect training or something like that. But how different is twenty three from twenty one? It's not. We've talked about this already a couple times today. It's not. I know. I but mean, I'm, it, I'm asking now when not. it when it when you're right. wrapping up. Like, yeah, <laughs> it is and it isn't. I mean, like. It isn't in the grand scheme of things. It's not different at all. At the same time, I read a, I did read a race report recently of some guy who barely trained and had everything got in the way. 
and he ran 21 hours and 52 minutes or something like that. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, oh wow. no, he did yeah. not. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I could do that. I'm Jamie Hobbs. <laughs> I'm Jamie Hobbs. Don't you yeah, know? Like, you know, so that's tempting to just go back there just to like, yeah, for that sense of accomplishment. Oh, I totally get that. Absolutely. Right. And it doesn't mean anything to anyone else. It's just purely for your own mm-hmm. sense mm-hmm. of accomplishment. But two, you- the other thing I would say is, the reason to go back is I, I do think in retrospect, you know, that this is a special race. I mean, there are a lot of great races, and I, I, I can't compare it to everything out there. I want to run a lot of other classic 100-milers and so forth. But there is something amazing about this race. Yeah. Not just because it's the biggest race in the world in the United States – that's just because it attracts the top talent, but both the fact that it's been around so long, but the course, the course is, I can imagine a more beautiful course. I, I can. The first 30 miles are absolutely stunning. The rest is, is great. But the fact that it, it's like as varied as it is, the first 30 miles are absolutely beautiful mountain running. The next 30 miles are this gauntlet of really tough, climbs and so forth and the last 30 are or 40 are in some ways give you the opportunity at a a trail track meet you know like if you can survive to to mile 65 62 and run you can run an amazing race there and i didn't execute that last 40 miles as well as someone could. So that part of it is that, that temptation, like I could have executed that better, but just the fact that the way the race is structured that way makes it so, such a unique and like interesting challenge that I'm tempted to, uh, makes me want to go back and do it. You know what? It's funny that you say that. And this will be my, my last Jim Walmsley reference for the foreseeable future. But what you said is what he did this year. Mm Mm-hmm. What he has done in previous years was out the gate, blast it, yeah. blow through it, and then try to hang on. Yeah. This year, he ran course pace, a right. course record pace all the way to Forest Hill. Mm-hmm. And then he started dropping mm-hmm. 830s yeah. after Forest Hill at mile 65. Yeah. You know, he did the track meet at the end, conserving and making mm-hmm. sure they had it under control. And he beat that course record by, oh, you know, 17 minutes. Yeah. I have a feeling it's going to drop a little bit more next year. Yeah. <laughs> he could. Yeah, especially if he gets a cool year, he could really drop it. Yeah. Um, but, but, but it's but rare to get saying, a point-to-point course, which gives that feeling of, like, I went from one place to another yeah. as an adventure. Yeah. And then it's rare to get that sort of varied feeling and that sort of challenge of yeah. you run a smart race and then you get your chance to really run. You know, like. Do you think the next time you do it, um, uh, I guess I would ask, would you be more comfortable? I don't, you know, that's, that's the only thing that comes to mind, mm-hmm. but would you do it more like races like Hellgate or races like Zane Gray? Or would you be like, this is me and my buddy, and we're running. 
Yeah. Like, would would you strip it down that much? I think I would, I would think I would strip it, it down a little bit, and I think I would take a few more chances. I don't think I, I think I purposely didn't take huge chances in this race because I knew my goal was to finish and to finish under twenty four hours and to have a good, have an enjoyable day, have yeah. a positive experience, yeah. you know. And the, one of the the most amazing performances and positive things of the day was the guy who got the the oldest finish yeah 73 years 73 old uh ran in 28 or 29 hours yeah i read an interview with him and he said you know he's run he's run it multiple times before yeah and he's run faster and he, he felt like he was capable of a faster time yeah and he said but i didn't i didn't run as fast, as hard as I was capable of running, because I wanted to make sure I finished. I wanted to make sure. Yeah, I wanted to be that well, seventy-three-year-old the, finisher. There were five so, uh, s- over seventy runners. Right, he just all had to finish. Out, and yeah. he was the guy. And so I, I really related to it. You know, I'm not, I'm not that guy. I'm not as accomplished as him. And he was doing a much more impressive thing than I was. But his same thing with his attitude was. My goal here is not to take risks and run the fastest thing I can possibly run. My goal is to have a good day. Yeah. And that's, you know, and so I w- maybe I would take risks. I, I, I wouldn't, I, given the expense of doing it, I probably wouldn't take so much risks that I w- Blow couldn't up. possibly finish and I have you a miserable would, chance. But you think you would always have finish? I think always. I would, yeah, always. That would always be in the background. Always finish. You know, because yeah. I'm not on the verge of running. Fourteen twenty nine. Uh, not yet, not yet, buddy. Not yet. The so. oldest, oldest uh, person to break the course record. That's your. Uh, That's right. Um, yeah, but yeah. I guess the other thing I would say is, it's a trip out west, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and I, this is dabbling with diving deep back down into the middle of the podcast, but I don't want to. Okay. Um, but bringing your family out. Yeah. And having a tour and going to cities and yeah. making it there's one day where daddy goes and runs a race. Yeah. You know, I no, mean that's what I I would think I mean I not sure I would want to get back right back in next year because yeah. I think in a couple of years it'd be great to do it as a Don't vacation. don't say that at the lottery yeah, party. Exactly. Next I'll year. <laughs> um, um but no, I mean we went to a few neat places, but yeah. there's a ton of other places. If that you could spend a full week or even two weeks out there, you could yeah. have a blast. There's so much. But to do. but do you think that would be the way you would do it? You I would, would love to. Yeah, you know, you know, that would be a great way to do it. You know, Daddy's got one day where you know he's got a thing to do, right? And maybe you'll come clap for him at Forest Hill. Yeah, and then he's got he'll see you later, right. and he'll be sleepy. Yep. No, if if he could work it out as a family trip and right. have the kids spend some time hiking. That'd so be great. so here's your challenge, Mr. Hobbs. Um, Western states is, <laughs> right? Like we're going back to grammar school. Like um, this is every runner's, every ultra runner's dream. Mm-hmm. If they're, if they're, if they got, if they look at the top of the hill, they go, I want to go to Western States yeah. someday. And um, once they get into the process, they realize there's lottery tickets mm-hmm. and they realize there's qualifiers. You realized all those things and you knew I think all there, that. I mean, I think there, there are some people who yeah. it's not at the top of their list. Yeah. Well, Western why. States is, looking back at it, 
Western States is blank Expensive. to you. No. <laughs> <laughs> what um, would you say? Western States is after I set aside expensive. I would I would say uh, just an amazing race experience. I don't know. I mean, like it's a fun adventure. I don't yeah. Know. It's hard to. I don't have one word. No, I, I, that's it, a that's a blank line. Yeah, what okay. if, you could go on for twenty minutes if you want. <laughs> but Western states is what like yeah. um, to me. It's a great um, test. It's a great. It's a great adventure and test. You know. Yeah. So. So when I was thinking about Western states, and I was thinking about like I didn't even get to run this damn thing. Uh-huh. I just got to go out there, and I got to hang out and. Um, I couldn't finish that sentence because I did it from so many angles. Yeah, you know, I get what I'm and uh, and I I came out with you know Western states is a hundred miles. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's right. That's what I came out with. But but from from crewing, inspecting, and from being a friend with the person that's running, and from planning and from podcasting and all that, Western states is a bigger version of everything that we do here Mm -hmm. you know it is it's i mean the the two stats that keep ringing in my ears are um 1500 volunteers yeah twenty four thousand pounds of ice yeah and it they just keep batting around in my head i cannot deny how significant the aid station support how well run how run run it was yep it is that is amazing, and you know that's not to take anything away from any other race. Every race I've felt, I've run. I felt yeah. like well, the support it's is just amazing. Bigger. It's just, but it's just like it's bigger. Uh, it takes it up a notch. Yeah, economies of scale in a but way. When you come right down to it, and I, I thought this going into it, and I think it was the right attitude going into it. No matter how much of a big deal this race is, the actual running of the race is no different than. Is just you gotta go run a hundred miles. Like but it doesn't matter what's going on around you. <laughs> yep. You know, it's you could be running a hundred miles at the Western States race, or you could be running a hundred miles at some race that get, maybe gets thirty people to sign up. One foot in front of the <laughs> other. You still right? just gotta be smart. You gotta run yeah. hard. You gotta yeah. be tough. You know, like all the rest fades away. <laughs> There you go. About a hundred miles of running, years of training, and hours in airports all wrapped up into a couple of hours. Efficient, even. Hey, it's a hundred mile race. You could probably talk about it for three times as long as it takes to run it. We even skipped some parts, like uh, my good friend Abby coming down off the Pacific Crest Trail with her friend Treeline and hanging out with us for the morning at the uh, expo. That was a nice, fun surprise. And uh, we also skipped the buckle ceremony where Hobbs put together a uh, a really nice, convincing walk across the uh, lawn there, looking like maybe he only ran 90 miles the night before um, to pick up his buckle. And uh, we didn't even hear any of the stories from the other crew members. So, I mean, you know. Two and a half hours, not not too shabby for, for what we covered. Um, all right. Well, we have uh, two shout inside outs for this episode. Uh, the first is from Josh Rossi. That's right. Rossi is back. 
So what does that mean? Well, check out lifttorun.com. That's lifttorun.com for all sorts of information and some videos. But in short, that means Muscles for Mileage is back. Josh and Lift to Run provide no frills, intelligent strength training specifically for runners. Using your own body and simple strength tools, they build strong, balanced, and flexible physiques that will take you to the finish line and beyond. The classes waste no time, use only the most efficient movements with a specific focus on proper alignment and mechanics that provide the most bang for your buck. Now, Josh is an excellent and and possibly even funny, maybe, I don't know, teacher who focuses on teaching the why behind each movement. He explains things in practical ways that allow you to easily remember the movements when you're in the middle of your running, so you can apply those principles after the class as well. Josh also does customized training plans and individual one-on-one coaching. Personally, I like the classes because there's just a Something about that shared suffering or shared experiences uh, that really just cements the lesson and the workout and helps me push a little bit harder. But some people just want all the attention to themselves, and Josh certainly can deliver that with plans to help you reach your specific goals. So check out lift2run.com and learn more. Then sign up and get ready to work for real. Well, to you. The Macbeths would like to thank the Rochester Trail Running community for their embrace and care of our whole family. Your love and support allows us to never have to make the decision between hanging out with all of you or being together as a family. There are few better blessings than sharing a love with those you love, and you all make it possible. Is it just me, or does every event feel a little bit more special when a Macbeth shows up? I'm guessing it's probably not just me. So, if you'd like to get a shout-out on the show, head out to runninginsideoutpodcast.com slash shoutinsideout. Be sure to check out the episode show notes at runninginsideoutpodcast.com slash 066 for links to some of the topics in the episode, like Lift to Run and McBeth's blog. Say that twice. I just did, actually. but uh, And also you can see information on our sponsor, Medved Running and Walking Outfitters. You can also find links to the Strava Run Group and the Patreon page. Thank you to all of this month's Patreon supporters. Your continued financial support helps me keep improving this podcast. If you look forward to this podcast each week and it inspires, educates, or entertains you regularly, consider becoming a Patreon supporter. That's how that works. Uh, Please know that any amount of support is appreciated. Thank you. By the by, also got some uh, new stickers, so that's pretty neat. Going to send some of those out uh, to Patreon supporters as soon as I get myself some stamps. So, uh, what else? Oh, if you want to hear more running talk, we got a radio show. Yeah. Every Monday. Sheila, Jen, and I prattle on about running topics for half an hour. Drive time running radio. Where else are you going to get that? We even talked about my Western States experience on one of the other episodes recently. Um, Yeah, like just all me all the time. Like, go figure. 
Uh, you can tune in live on Monday nights at 6 p.m. Eastern Time to either Wayo 104.3 FM in Rochester, or you can find us online at wayofm.org. You can get all the back episodes on Wayo as well. And you can find that link in the show notes too. Where are those show notes again? runninginsideoutpodcast.com slash 066. Keep in mind, the number one way you can always support the show is to tell a friend and help them subscribe. And if they seem interested, take their phone and like just subscribe them. Show them how to do it. Uh, don't let them walk away without having it there. One last thing. I'm always interested in your comments and feedback on the show, even if I don't say it every episode. So please drop me a line at chris at runninginsideoutpodcast.com and let me know your thoughts. Thank you all for listening, subscribing, and telling your friends. Thanks for sharing your stories and getting out there to create more stories. Until next episode, be thankful for what you've been given, be proud of what you've achieved, and let go of what you've lost. See you out there.